you're about to listen to our program Eng. We don't know why, however we are grateful you chose to. We do wish to inform you that the views, opinions and overall morality, do not necessarily reflect those of the station, interview guests, sponsors or musical entities. If you should choose to continue, and we sincerely hope that you do. Just know, we tried to advise you against these actions and we are not responsible for any damage done to your sanity, morals or ideals. Thank you. Here comes the terrible siren. funny as that is to say, um, tonight's topic is going to be a serious one. I'm not going to say that there probably won't be a joke here and there or something said that strikes you as funny, but we're not aiming for comedy this evening. We are looking to do something a little more. And I don't know what more, what qualifier will come after that. I'm just going to leave it at, we're looking to do something a little more. With me is uh, Billiam. Good evening. And Ollie. Hello. And uh, we have Ari in the background, which you may or may not hear throughout the night. Hola. <laughs> Probably not. She'll pick up ever so often to add something. She usually does. So, um... Did want to do? Did want to at least get a couple of things out of the way. We have new music tonight. Um, we have music from the Primates, and we have music from Damo the Great. Uh, we also have a new song from the band Hook, and a few more. Uh, I I had picked it before I, I grabbed all of it. Um, next week we'll probably have new music from. No, it's it's here as Wild Street. We have new music from Wild Street. Um, Eric Jake sent me two new tracks, so we got new music tonight. Uh, littered throughout the show. This episode will not have a fun size. The full episode will be going up to all podcasting platforms for free. Um, it may get broke up into a couple of different parts depending on file size allotments for how I do things normally. So if you end up seeing part one, part two, part three, it's not that we did more without you. It's just 
how things had to go up to make the uh, server that I host everything on happy. We're starting a new series tonight. Um, in fact, all of our shows where we try to do more um, will be listed under this title. It is Lessons Yet Learned. Because these are things that we we don't seem to have gotten collectively yet for some reason. Um, these topics could include LGBT rights, uh, women's rights, uh, racism, as is the case tonight, um, you know, mental health. Uh, we did one a while back, the prohibition of marijuana. I've been kicking around the idea of doing one on the benefits of marijuana, you know, but we did cover some of that in that one. Basically, the point is, um, I like the shows where we talk more where we aren't so concerned with the goofy shit that's happening in the world where we address the real issues and we'll see how it goes could go well could be the worst mistake i've ever made oh that makes me feel great thanks although the worst mistake i ever made i divorced years ago so it's gonna be hard to top that one is that a challenge? <laughs> if that's a challenge you want to try to rise to, it's not. I'm going to tell you what, it's not going to work out well for you. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> no. you got to work at that. That's something you really have to strive for. Well, and when it comes down to it, too, you can't hurt my feelings. I'm dead inside. So. Yes. Yes, who does? Things that we as a species should have learned to be better with by now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm going to call this one in particular a heavy hitter. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to gold star it because this one We don't know that until we get the numbers. <laughs> no, not for that. Oh, like, I was just saying, look at you being optimistic. No, this is gold star based on how and I hate this and I know you're going to hate it how triggering this topic is. I hate that word. But am I wrong? Uh, no, but exactly. I hate that word. I do too, but this one is a lot. It's, it's a truth, bud. It's a truth. It's a truth. An oof so big that it's true. Yeah. So, and you also know to notice, too, that uh, I probably don't sound like I normally do. That's because this is my actual voice. This is where it sits most of the time. Most of the time. I sit it up here so, you know, it sounds more normal. But no, <laughs> I am gravel. Years of smoking and God knows what else down my throat has uh, left me here. No, 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 sir. As long as it's clear enough to be heard, I don't care what you sound like, but <laughs> Jesus, that's too far. Yeah. Um, also, too, that uh, just to let you know, we are there is no interview roulette tonight. There is an interview roulette that's going up to YouTube uh, tomorrow, but there is no interview roulette in tonight's show. Um, in fact, moving forward, the interview roulettes are going to be a separate thing, and the interviews are going up to the Patreon. And the interviews will be stopping soon. Um, it's not that I wasn't having fun with it. It's just, it's it's a lot of work, which I'm not afraid of. But the problem is, is the the market is too saturated with the same people right now. And so it's not 
beneficial to the cult of Odd as a, a show to continue doing those interviews when you can get those interviews anywhere at this point. Yes, I'm different. I'm going to ask different questions. But if you tell someone you can hear an interview with, you know, uh, Larry Hank or uh, Carl Gottlieb, um, and you present them with the, okay, we have to join the Patreon to hear it or some other podcaster that's just doing it, they're going to go with the just doing it because they don't have to pay for that. So it's just, it's not advantageous. Plus two, the relationship I had with the publicist has now been dissolved. Um, had a very interesting conversation with him today, and, and that's where uh, the you can't hurt my feelings, I'm dead inside came from. Is That's what he was attempting to do. Well, I thought it was laughable that he called you spineless. Yeah, spineless, no talent. And never going to go anywhere. Who knows? He might be right on some of those. I'm definitely not spineless, though. So, anyways, just a a little bit of housekeeping just to let you know. Um, I think the way the interviews are going to work from here on out is I'm going to drop one a month. That way, the backlog that I have or that I'm building will serve me well. Who does the fuck? Yeah, man, it's been a day. I'll uh, I'll message you probably tomorrow if you want uh, about what all was said. I've I have receipts. <laughs> um. So yeah, tonight's topic is Rodney King and the police brutality. Um, and we're going to present you with fact. We're going to give you opinion as well, but we're going to let you know. And so basically, you know, these are the facts. And then I, I will read what we have compiled. And then there'll be a pause long enough to for us to switch. Okay, well, these are our opinions about it. The reason why I feel that we need to do that is because when you start talking about anything political, social, you know, racial, anything like that, often opinions are presented as facts. I believe this to be true, so it is true. And that's not the case. If you take the time to do the research, you find your answer. So if you came in tonight and you're expecting the normal laughing, joking, having a good time, no. I'm sorry in advance. I'm sorry in advance. We're we're presenting a good show and something that's important that needs to be talked about. And uh, the reason why Ollie said she's sorry in advance is because this was her idea, and uh, she produced this show, essentially. Uh, She did all of the research for me. Uh, Our research assistant, Matt, helped with next week's topic. This will end up, if if time runs like I think it's going to, if we run over, this could, and you have to break it into parts, this could run into like five parts. Easily. Which means editing. Yay. <laughs> you like to work. I do. He's a workaholic, but he does it to himself, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Stop again, that! I... You are such a fucking slave driver! As I wag my finger backwards at myself. Probably not the term you should have used tonight, bud. No. <laughs> oh, Once shit. again, a little on the nose, bud. <laughs> I apologize. 
Uh, <laughs> see, that's why we're not mixing comedy with this shit, because... <sighs> fuck. I'm already screwed up for the night. Way to go, me. It's it's heavy. Yeah. It's it's it's. I don't know what to say about it other than I spent a lot of time in this. Yeah. I would come to everybody and present some of the stuff that I found because I had to spew it at somebody because keeping it in my head was really bad. Understandable. Uh, when you're dead inside, none of that seems to matter. Because I'm reading through it, I'm like, yeah. The other thing, too, is you have to realize, I am the only one in the room that really lived through this shit, I think. Yeah. yeah. She was born in 91, so... Yeah, we were born in 91. She was alive. Yeah. I was this... I was 10 years old. Uh, nine, nine-ish when I was it not... Mm, in October of 92, I was not alive when this happened. No. I Billy lived sure through this. There are those that are older than me that'll be like, no, I lived through it. No, I lived through it. I remember the news because that's all that was ever on in my house is the fucking news. That's why we now do not watch the news. <laughs> my stepfather taped Desert Storm. Core memory. The whole war. Because oh. the Desert Storm was like the first war that was yeah. televised. Taped it all. Stacks and stacks and stacks of VHS tapes. I have no idea why. It was history in the making. Uh, yeah, but... It was history in the making, but to have that much of it, it was a bit extreme. I remember watching the, the OJ run. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember seeing news stories about Rodney King. Well, And the riots and... Trying to justify the actions of the police and... Yeah. Uh, well, this is one of those cases that even as young as... Billy and I are. You grow up knowing it. Yeah, I grew up hearing parts of it, and you never really like you get the gist of it. So you don't really look too heavy into it. But when you deep dive, thank you, Hootis. Thank you, Hootis. It is. um, I'm sorry, just because this is the first time that I've produced something like this. I don't know how it's going to run correctly, but the topic itself is heavy and it's going to weigh. For those of you that aren't in the chat room, who just said, I'll counter the two people apologizing because I remember the last series episodes and how damn good they were. It might be dark and heavy, but it needs to be talked about and odds a good presenter of the information. I agree. And I'm only apologizing because if you came in here expecting comedy, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of chuckles tonight. There may be some minutes of dark humor like that one you just made <laughs> you that was, was not planned thing. but it's not the normal quality no, of no not at all nowhere funniness near that. nowhere near so, that um but no like i said the the reason we chose the the rodney king incident is because uh what what is this ah planky is listening to us in his car Oh, no. Uh, the reason we chose the Rodney King is, for any of you sci-fi fans out there, specifically Doctor Who, but it's brought up in other points of uh, science fiction, this is a fixed point in time. I don't know how to, to better describe it other than that. A fixed point in time is an incident that is so important or so impactful 
that it can't be changed in Doctor Who lore. Um, and I feel that this is one of those moments in our history that is is was so impactful, and not just the the kicks to Rodney King, but that it was important. But I'm trying to get the no, dark humor out of me. You slipped that dark humor in so fast it took me a minute to recognize it. I looked at Billy, and Billy looked at me, and I looked at him, and he looked at me. It was. That it can't be ignored. Like, this this is something that people in my generation are like, yeah, shit, I remember that. And people uh, older than me are, are doing the same thing. You know, there, there's a wide swath for the this generation. Um, there are moments in time that such terrible things have happened. And... We seem to pay attention to them in the moment when they happen. But then just a few years go by and nobody nobody pays attention to it anymore. And these are moments that should be causing change. Major change. They're just swept under the rug. They are. Yeah, it's swept under the rug like anything else. Like, if you think about fixed points in our history, you know, the bombings that happened you know, Nagasaki, the atomic bombs that we've dropped. And we don't think twice about those things. Yeah, that's history. That happened. But That's not true. We think twice about it because we remember Pearl Harbor every fucking year. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Like, you don't think twice about the fact that that bombing happened. Yeah. Or the impact that it had on the people there. It's another one of those fixed points in time that you just sweep under the rug. The, The entirety of the Holocaust. Yeah. Just... We think about it as some other. You know, that's one I'd actually like to cover, but I don't Same. think that there's any way that you could approach it that wouldn't offend somebody. Well, you know what? Some people kind of need to be offended in that case. I, I, I'm going to slide this in here. This one can offend a lot of people. We've already had a shit ton of blowback. Yeah, but see, the difference is, is the people that this one offends, I don't care about. Yeah. If this offends you, you're on the wrong side. If we present straight facts about the Holocaust and you get offended because we're talking about it. That's not necessarily true. That's one of those issues that the people that could be offended sit on both sides. It's a harsh topic because there are people that lived through it that are still alive today. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those ones that that's one of those ones where we could offend somebody we don't want to offend. In this case... We I, the same people that would be offended by us talking about the Holocaust that we don't mind offend, offending are already going to be offended by this one. Fair. So, um, we're we're trying to set the the pacing here for tonight and and get the things out. Um, there should be new merch going up to the shop soon. So if you're interested, by all means, please check out the little shop of oddities. Pretty much everything you need for me can be found at thecultofodd.com. Uh, it's my page here on Tap Detroit, and uh, all of my links and everything are there. Except ignore the iHeartRadio one, because fuck iHeartRadio. They're being dicks. They keep telling me that there's something wrong. They're, they almost always were dicks, though. With my RSS feed. They haven't listed a new show of mine since episode 44, and this is episode 63. 
And every time I contact them, they keep trying to put the, the, the burden back on me. And I go through and I check and I, I look and I do everything that I can to fix whatever issues I find. And then I report back to them and they say, nope, there's still errors. It's not working. The problem is, is Amazon Music, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a litany of others have no issues. It's, it's just iHeartRadio. Yeah. So? Fuck iHeartRadio. Oh, well. I don't even know anyone that uses iHeartRadio. Yeah, I think I used it for like two weeks. Didn't yeah, care for honestly, it. same. Yeah. So, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. All right, so new music interviews are going to be tapering off. Uh, you know what? While I'm thinking of it, um, speaking of interviews, I just did one this week that dropped uh, late last night. So I, I went through and I shared it today. Um, Earth Station One, the uh, the podcast. Uh, I spoke with Mike and Mike. That's uh, and they are the hosts. They did an interview with me, and then they have something called the Geek Seat, which I really enjoyed. It's it's their own version of you know uh, branding for their podcast, and uh, it was a lot of fun questions. Um, so if you're so interested, um, go check out Earth Station One, uh, their newest episode, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I, my interview is like at the very beginning of the show. So like, uh, from the moment you hit play until 32 minutes is our interview together. So give them a listen. Yeah. It was fun. I, I enjoyed to it. it this morning. It was really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few ones that I went back and I actually listened to. I listened to myself talk and I didn't cringe. Strange, strange little man. Yeah, why? Well, I, <laughs> I don't listen to the show normally. I do the show. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Except for when you edit it. I'm not even really listening at that point. Like, I'm not listening, listening. I'm just listening to hear the points where I need to make cuts. That's it. Yeah. No, I hear my own voice and I go, nope. Upstairs Same. I go. Same. <laughs> yep. Well, hopefully, depending on how this goes, we might not need a whole lot of editing tonight. We'll see. <laughs> Um, so yeah, go check out Earth Station One. I should have a few new other interviews dropping uh, over the course of the next little bit, and I'll let you know about them. So, I want to say hello to everyone that is in the chat. I'm not someone. Mike Hunt, Nicole, and Hootis. Uh And I see that there are a lot more of you listening than are in the chat, and that's perfectly fine. Um, tonight we... Uh, we are swinging the band hammer uh, heavily. Heavily. If you come to our chat tonight and try to spout bullshit or be hateful or racist or anything like that, we will immediately ban you. I'm, I'm just not playing tonight. Nope. Enough that he gave me admin and I'm watching chat. If I see one hateful thing, you're out. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to make sure. <laughs> not Zero only, tolerance and then some. Not only did I give her admin powers, I taught her how to use them. You have been warned. 
So I have the band hammer, and I'm not afraid to use it. There, uh, there was an interesting post, and I'm not going to get into the the full breadth of it. I'm just killing time right now because after 8:30, after our first music break, that's when we're getting into everything. Yep. Um, there was a post on my personal wall that blew the fuck up this week. Addressing the controversy, put it that. Way. <laughs> to some extent, and. Uh, what was most interesting to me is that there was really only one person that was on the opposing side of the post. However, everyone on my side with the post behaved just as badly as the opposing side. Yep. Yeah, I'd almost say a little worse than how the opposing side did. Because they brought up points and facts and were just attacked. Yeah, I'm uh, honestly a little ashamed that they... Just because your cause is right does not give you the right to be righteous. (laughs) I'm not calling it that. I'm going to agree with Hootis, but I'm not reading that one out loud. It was a lot of that. Correct, yes. Hootis. It was, it was that. It was that. Um, <laughs> you just dropped that first word. We'll call it Hatgate. Um, yeah, we can call it that, but it's it, it, it was shameful. The and, attacks. And the problem is, is that, like I said, the person on the opposing side of the post was the most respectful and adult-like throughout it. Contrarian. I'm not going to say there weren't a lot of back and forth hate. I didn't see a lot, though, really. No one in that entire post was... Without sin? There you go. It, it felt like... It was almost like um, they were waiting for just a reason to attack somebody. And the opposer was just, just said the right thing to get them to all the swarm. Uh, you I'm, painted one person a match and the other thing a gasoline. Uh-huh. And just watched them play. They scorched the barn. Though Ollie does not agree with these tactics. No, I don't. I understand shady, that there are a lot of times that I will post things that I, I are essentially a trap. It's a trap. And there's no guarantee who I'm setting the trap for. You've done this in real life, too. You've done this in person. He does it constantly. But it sparked conversations. He's done it with this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, not this show. Previous show. Previous show. Point being that, yeah, he'll set people up and... He's setting up dominoes and seeing who kicks it first. Yeah. And they somehow always seem to kick the dominoes. Do you know why? It's the topics chosen. Oh, yeah, I know, but... He picks hot yeah. topic issues and then watches what happens. I respect all of you. Honestly, I do. But I know people, and I know how people are going to people. And I will post things to see if I am correct. And unfortunately, most of the time, I am correct. People will continually people. That's not to say do not comment. No. No, please do. Keep commenting. But I do recommend that uh, the next time you see something like that, though you disagree with it, be respectful. It takes nothing to be a decent person. That's part of the sin of it, is what I'll call it. Because when you start... Don't get down in the ditch with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
I'm sorry. That's the only way I know how to put it. Don't get down in the ditch with them. If somebody else is being that dirty, they're playing that dirty. Station manager has said, too, I agree, zero tolerance for racist comments in the chat. Thank you. I, I'll agree with Nicole. People just suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I, again, I know this fact, and it sounds shitty to say it, but I use it to my advantage at times. Because here's the thing. You often won't get a lot of responses from me. I step in. When necessary. Yeah. When it goes too far. It's the same thing as if there are issues like, and if I have an issue with somebody or somebody's coming after one of us or there's some type of disagreement, if he has to step in, it's gone too far. Yeah, it's and, already too late. And someone, I'm not naming names, someone commented on this uh, post. Uh, it said, I'm beginning to think that Odd here is vouching for someone that I'd get banned for calling out by name and title. That's the important thing right there. I repeatedly said that this other person is not what you're calling them. Stop. I know for a fact they are not what you are calling them. Complacent? Yes. Malicious? No. No. Because they and, don't know that person like we do. But they know me. And that should be enough. And that should always be enough. Do you really think we're going to tolerate those type of people in our life? Do you think that we're going to welcome those type of people in our home? No. Because we don't. Here's the thing. In the chat room and listening right now are a various group of people who have known me for a very long time. In fact, one of them in the chat right now has known me since high school. I'm an asshole. I take things too far. I poke fun. I have very little emotion when it comes to it. If you start crying or you get butt hurt, I just think that's funny most of the time. However, I am above reproach for 90% of things. I don't lie. And I will give you my opinion I've gotten better at it over the years. Now, if you're dumb enough to ask for my opinion... You get it both barrels. Yeah. And then I reload, and you get two more barrels, usually. But that's me. If I vouch for somebody, if I say this person is okay, this person is okay. If I say this thing is okay, this thing is okay. If you don't have the faith in your friends then you don't really have friends if you don't have faith in me then why are you near me and that is what pissed me off most about that post is that I came in and numerous times said this person is not what you're saying they are now I didn't specifically tell you to find a different tactic but I shouldn't have to once I say this person is not what you think that they are that's it. Find a different tactic. Because I know the person you're talking to, and you've, you've been in our home. You should know 
we don't let the type of person that you were calling that out on. Well, they all were calling him that. Um, A lot of the people in that have been in our home. They know we do not tolerate that word that I'm not going to use. No. And they should know better than that. So here's the thing. If you come to my wall, if you come to the Cult of Odd wall, if you come to the group, if you come to anything related to me, social media-wise, and I tell you to stop, stop. I don't care how long I've known you. I don't care how close we are. You will be gone. My word is bond when it comes to certain things. And on my wall, I require respectful discourse. Because here's the thing. In the original post, I alluded to the thing. I alluded to what they were calling him. But what the original post wasn't about him, and I never once said it. It was set up so somebody would take the bait. Unfortunately, Unfortunately <laughs> it, it, somebody took the Ten bait. people took the bait, and it ended in a very bad interaction that for, did for not no need to happen. Because here's the thing. If we're going to debate these types of issues, which is what we need to do, we need to talk about them, we need to debate them. And don't you think it was funny I stirred this hornet's nest just before we got here? Think there's a point. I've been saying all since last week what this show was going to be about. You do this thing all the time, though. You'll, you'll, everything always leads full circle. Even the show will always go full circle. Because we've talked about having this type of topic before. <laughs> Never in my life did I think the type, the people who were in those comments would say some of the things that they said. And I'm disappointed, honestly, because if we're going to have these type of debates, which is what we need to have, you can't be a shitty person. They have to be conversations, not attacks. Don't that, be, that. Don't be a shitty human. Nicole in the chat said, and that's why your friends love you the way they do. You don't sugarcoat anything. And she should know. She has gotten it both barrels from me throughout the a good <laughs> run of our high school. Yeah. Nicole and I hung out a lot. <laughs> and there was a lot that got thrown her away. All right, so it is 8.32. We're going to go ahead and play music. You're going to get two brand new tracks, uh, Damo the Great, Wet Work, and Primate, Black Magic. So good. Um, Damo the Great and and the Primates are from right here in Detroit. Uh, The Primates, I don't know if are still making newer music because um, they lost their drummer um, about a year or two ago. Actually, I think it might have been longer than that. I'm very bad with time. But he was a high school friend. Um, but Dama the Great is putting out new music, and you can find them both on Spotify, Facebook. You know, go forth and search them out. They're also on YouTube, and you're also going to get that track from uh, uh, Blow by Borna from uh, last week, uh, just because I really liked it and I wanted to play it again. So you're listening to the Cult of Odd, and when we get back, we're going to dive into the facts as we've uncovered them. Uh, you're listening to The Cult of Odd on tapdetroit.com. We'll be back. Now it's time for our Patreon shout-out. Big thanks to Seaweezy, Bryce Rogers, Tiki, Billy Yum, Justin Burnside and Zaldor of Zaldor's World Podcast for becoming a patron. Welcome to Anef for joining The Cult of Odd Plus. 
We hope you enjoy our long, uncut and girthy episodes until you're fully satisfied and left shaking from laughter. For everyone else, you can join our Patreon too. Just head to patreon.com forward slash cult of VOD. Become a patron and reap the benefits today. Tired of regular bar food and bar atmospheres? Yes! Do you long for a place that feels like home where you're treated as family and not just another customer? Yes! Yes! Then Big League Brews is the place for you. Their menu is the most extensive in all of Downriver. They have an excellent breakfast selection, and they're also well-known for their burgers and wings. But hey, if you don't want to believe just some guy on the radio, Big League Brews has been voted Best Sports Bar in Metro Detroit by Click on Detroit six years in a row. They have the friendliest staff and a wide array of cocktails and beers, 26 of them on draft, with new creations regularly. Yes! 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 And if you're looking for work, Big League Brews offers the most competitive wages with great medical and dental and vision benefits and plenty of paid time off. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to Big League Brews, located at 20428 Ecourse Road in Taylor, Michigan. Or head to BigLeagueBrews.com for more info. Big League Brews. Go beyond ordinary. Eat and drink extraordinary. Fuck you. 
cool. And fuck you, I'm out. I'm gonna write my name across your heart with a fat, fat black, black magic mark. I wanna write my name across your heart with a fat, fat black, black magic marker. Got it orthodox phrases, picture perfect imagery. Soliloquies packed with metaphors and similes. Every real MC can turn a phrase into fact. Move mountains with my pen when I'm blazing a track. I'm so amazing at rap. It won't surprise me to think I want to tattoo my name in indelible lake. All over your heart, now there's the start of the lesson. Fossilized, starry eyes, there's your last impression. Hey, love, my name is Mike. Yeah, the one with the hooks. So you from across the room, you were shooting me looks. In the back, hat low, hanging out with the crooks. I've been checking you out like library books. What you say? We hit the bar, do a few shots, kick back, conversate, maybe play the jukebox, get drunk, get wild, do things we don't do. You can wake up in the morning with a new tattoo. I want to write my name across your heart with a fat, fat black, black, magic mark. I want to write my name across your heart with a fat, fat black, black, magic mark. I want to write my name across your heart with a fat, fat black, black, magic mark. I want to write my name across your heart with a fat, fat black, black, magic mark. I'm a complicated man, my moods kinda vary To someone on my mind, I ain't talking binary It's scary, I don't bottle up, speak the unspoken I never thought I'd heal, this heart remains broken A token of my feelings, a flow without a tourniquet Remember my name, this ink is always permanent I knew it hurt a bit, but the story isn't tragic It all begins now, I believe in black magic I'm a John Cusack, Bullback, kind of Romeo Me and my boombox right outside your window Bumping out some old 80s jams to see I'm not your typical ladies man I'm your dirty white knight No handsome steed But I got some Miller light And a bag of weed I won't beg you please But I can plead my case I'm guaranteed to leave a mark That you can't erase I'm gonna write my name Across your heart With a fat, fat black, black magic mark I'm gonna write my name Across your heart With a fat, fat black, black magic mark I'm gonna write my name Across your heart With a fat, fat
join the cult of odd, you'll be opened up to a whole new level of consciousness. You'll know what's beyond the yellow brick road, what lurks on the dark side of the moon and what creeps through the forests at night. You'll have a wealth of resources to pull from. A group of favored mentors and spiritual enforcers that will guide you to the path of odd. You're our family. Even if you don't know it yet. Once a member, you become one for life. Because if you leave the warmth and love of odd, you're dead, you're to, dead, us. dead to, us. to us. Head to patreon.com forward slash cult of odd. It sees you, you and knows you want it. it, it, it embrace it today. All right. So in order to talk about Rodney King, we actually have to go back a few years to 1987. And so what we're going to be talking about here is police community relations and the history uh, that the LAPD has had uh, starting at uh, an incident in 87. These are the facts. Okay? Again, we told you we will present you with fact and let you know when we're presenting you with fact. And then we will present you with opinion and let you know when we're presenting you with opinion. I want to put a small call out here. If there's any part of this... You're not getting picked up good enough. You've oh. positioned yourself okay. wrong. Well, if there's any part of this that you want to know my my direct notes for and you want to know where I found it, I will cite you if you need it. Yeah. Ollie will be in the chat. My job now is to no longer pay attention to the chat. I love you all, but this is this is me presenting at this point. So Ollie will be in the chat. Billiam, I think, is popping in and out of the chat. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Um, I'm just here for the ride. Yeah. Be respectful. <laughs> So, police community relations history. Uh, under Chief of Police Daryl Gates, the LAPD had begun Operation Hammer in April of 1987. This was a large-scale attempt to crack down on gang violence in L.A. The origin of Operation Hammer can be traced back to the 84 Olympics that were held in L.A. Under Gates' direction, or under Gates' direction, the LAPD expanded gang sweeps for the duration of the Olympics. These were implemented across wide areas of the city, but especially in South Central and East Los Angeles areas of predominantly minority residents. After the games were over, the city began to revive the use of earlier, I cannot say that word, anti-syndicalism? Yes. Um, definition? You brought it up before. Yeah, I need to bring up... I need to bring up the definition again. You should have had that ready to go. Well, I, you didn't put it in here as a, a note next to it. The method for workers in a capitalist society to gain control of an economy and thus influence a broader society. Okay. So anti-syndicalism laws, in order to maintain the security, uh, security policy at the start of the Olympic Games, the police more frequently conducted mass arrests of black youth, although the overwhelming number of them were never charged. Citizens' complaints against police brutality increased 33% in the period between 1984 and 1989. By 1990, more than 50,000 people, mostly minority males, had been arrested in such raids. During this period, the LAPD arrested more young black men and women than in any other period uh, since the Watts riots of 65. Critics have alleged that the operation was racist because it was it used racial profiling, targeting African-American and Mexican-American youths. The perception that police had targeted non-white citizens likely contributed to the anger that erupted in the 1992 riots. 
the Christopher Commission later concluded that a significant number of LAPD officers repeatedly use excessive force against the public and persistently ignore the written guidelines of the department regarding force. Biases related to race, gender, sexual orientation were found to have regularly contributed to excessive use of force. The commission's report called for the replacement of both Chief Darrell Gates and the Civilian Police Commission. In the years before the riots, 1991, there was a growing resentment uh, and violence between African-American and Korean-American communities. Racial tensions had been simmering for years, but these groups are between these groups. In 1989, the release of Spike Lee's film, Do the Right Thing, highlighted urban tensions between white people, black people, and Koreans over racism and economic inequality. Many Korean shopkeepers were upset because they suspected shoplifting from their black customers and neighbors. Many black customers were angry because they routinely felt disrespected and humiliated by Korean store owners. Neither group fully understood the extent or sheer enormity of the cultural differences and language barriers which further fueled tensions. On March 16, 1991, a year before the Los Angeles riots, storekeeper Soon Ja Du shot and killed a black ninth grader named Letitia Harlins after a physical altercation. Du was convicted of voluntary manslaughter, and the jury recommended the maximum sentence of 16 years. But the judge, Joyce Carlin, decided against prison time and sentenced Du to five years of probation, 400 hours of community service, and a $500 fine instead. Relations between the African-American and Korean communities significantly worsened after this, and the former became increasingly mistrustful of the criminal justice system. A state appeals court later unanimously upheld Judge Carlin's sentence decision in April 1992, a week before the riots. Opinion We see this illustrated quite often in a lot of the media from uh, black culture. Uh Case in point, um, I hate to, to bring this one up, but uh, don't be a menace to society while you're drinking your juice in the hood. Love the movie. All right. It is a very comedic and, and, and satirical look at most of the tropes that you see, you saw in, in black movies. Um, it is attempting to highlight, but also poke fun at. And uh, one of the ones you see a lot is you see a, a black person go into an Asian run. It, it, it's not always Korean um, run establishment, and they immediately are being watched and followed and tracked. And and yep, it, it, it's not even that now. It, like it's it's everywhere. The minute a black person walks into a store, they are immediately thought to be up to no good, which is uh-huh. wrong. But in the case that we're talking about here, th- that's a good point to show the illustration of it. Um, you know, I believe it's also in, do- uh, in, in Menace to Society. Um, it, like they said, it's illustrated in um, Do the Right Thing. It's, in a, it's quite a few films. Yeah. And I never, I personally, I never understood why. I, I, I didn't know that it was that, that bad for that reason, you I know? Mean, yeah. We, w- we really wouldn't know, though, right? Mm. 
It's always struck me as odd that uh, minorities don't necessarily like each other. Like, different groups of minorities don't necessarily like each other. Yeah. You know, and it struck me as odd. It was like, you guys should be banding together to fight the power, you know? Instead of fighting amongst each other. Yeah. Divide and conquer. But I think that's... I, I really do think that we... And by that, I mean white people have done that on purpose. I think we tried to drive a, a wedge there somehow, some way. I'm going to, to stop you right there before we get too far, far into this and and not um, put that qualifier of color in front. Yes, I understand that most of what we're talking about tonight is Caucasians... Um, exerting unnecessary force against black people. But I don't want this to come off as a full-on attack on white people. Because okay. it's not. not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So be very careful with those qualifiers. Well, okay, then would it be better to say the people in power? Yes. People in positions of power. Try to drive a wedge between different minority groups. Yes, and also people in perceived positions of power. Yeah, that's that's an important part there too. So you you have those that are in positions of power, but then you have a lot of people uh, like in the South that have a perceived position of power. Yeah, you think that they're in control of something, and or you think you're better than something. Yeah, therefore you are either in control or they are in control of you. Yeah, because I mean. It's not just white people. No, it's not. There there are Hispanic individuals that are racist against uh, um, other minorities. There are... I mean, racism is prevalent even in, within the black community itself. Yeah. This is something that I, I've spoken to several of my friends over. It's like, I don't understand it. Like, you, you guys... Uh, you, you hate each other. <laughs> what sense does that make? You know, you're already f- facing so many uh, uh, problems from outside forces. Why do you create them on the inside, too? And I think it's it was all done by those in power or perceived power. Yeah. So, again, I, I want to at least make the effort to say that the um, color qualifier uh, positions of power. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't think that. Yeah. That was my fault. It's 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 trying to limit some of the blowback yeah. at this point because it's already going to look really bad for white folks <laughs> when we get into this. Well, I mean, I get it. However, you know, I let's I, not put more strain on it where we don't have to. Right. When you really get into the case of it, because that's what I'm going to call it, is the case because it is case file. It's not so much white versus black. In this case, it was. Black versus police. Yeah. So, also, too, we see instances of this today um, where the the PD, as it said, the LAPD began Operation Hammer in 87, um, tracked all the way back to the Olympic Games from 84. They were given a little extra power Uh in order to ensure that things went smoothly for a massive event. And then supposedly saw problems that required them to retain or regain 
that power. Gave an inch, took a mile. Again, uh, police brutality increased 33% in five years, from 84 to 89. They gave an inch and took 50 miles. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's... It's disgusting. And I don't want to hear anyone saying, well, you don't know what uh, the cops have to go through. And, you know, their job is dangerous. Fuck them. They do what they were signing up for. You mean to tell me that uh, someone joined the military and didn't realize that they were going to have to shoot people that didn't look like them? Get out of here with that bullshit. So, back to fact. The event. On Sunday, March 3rd, 1991, Rodney King, Brian Allen, and Freddie Helms were driving in a 1987 Hyundai Excel west on the Foothill Freeway, Interstate 210, in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, California, after a night of drinking and watching basketball. At 12.30 a.m., officers Tim and Melanie Singer of the California Highway Patrol noticed King's car speeding on the freeway and attempted to pull him over. King tried to outrun the police because he was afraid of a DUI charge. He was on parole for a previous robbery conviction and was afraid that the DUI DWI charge would send him back to prison after he finally had his life together. A chase began. King's car reached speeds of 117 miles per hour. King exited the freeway near the Hanson Dam Recreation Area and the chase continued into residential neighborhoods with speeds ranging between 55 and 80 miles per hour and blowing through at least one red light. By this point, several police cruisers and one police helicopter had joined the pursuit. After eight miles, King was cornered by LAPD. The first officers to arrive on the scene were Stacy Kuhn, Lawrence Powell, Timothy Wind, Theodore Brisno, and Roland Solano. Officer Tim Singer ordered King, Allen, and Helms to exit the vehicle and lie face down on the ground. Allen claims he was mishand or he was manhandled, kicked, stomped, taunted, taunted, and threatened. Helms was hit in the head while lying on the ground. He was later treated for a large laceration on the top of his head, uh, and his bloody baseball cap was turned over to police. All while King remained in the car. When he finally got out, he reportedly giggled, patted the ground, and waved to the helicopter hovering ahead, or hovering overhead. King then grabbed his buttocks. Officer Melanie Singer took this as King reaching for a weapon. Later, he was found to be completely unarmed. She drew her pistol and aimed at King, ordering ordering him to lie on the ground, which he did. Singer approached, gun drawn, and was preparing to arrest him. At which point, Stacy Cornell Kuhn, a 40-year-old sergeant in the LAPD and ranking officer on the scene, told Singer that LAPD was taking command and ordered all of his officers to holster their weapons. Kuhn ordered the four other LAPD officers at the scene, Brisno, Powell, Solano, and Wind, to subdue and handcuff King using a technique called Swarm. This technique, swarm, is when multiple officers grab a suspect with empty hands to overcome potential resistance quickly. By standing to remove Officer Powell and Brisno from his back, 
the four officers claimed King had resisted attempts to restrain him. King denied he resisted. Witnesses also claimed King did not resist. The officers testified that King was under the influence of PCP, although King's toxicology tested negative for the drug. Opinion. Fuck Coon. Fuck him. God, I hate him. King was in the wrong. Oh, yes. I've said this, and we talked about this earlier in the week. The cops were correct to do a felony stop. Mm -hmm. Due to, call it good or bad, whatever. He fled at a very high speed. Very dangerous. And he was driving under the influence. He was. We have proof of that later. I did include that. I included his toxicology. However... There was no need to no. you swarm. She had him on the ground, yeah. and he was done. He was yeah. about to go into cuffs. That's when Stacy Coon stepped in. Mm-hmm. Just like when her uh, when she pulls her pistol, I completely understand why she. She would do thought that. he was grabbing for a weapon. Apparently, he was just kind of making fun of her because at this point, I believe he figured. He's going to prison no matter what. Fuck it. I'm going to jail. I'm going to have a little fun with it. I'm not armed. Or maybe he was just pulling up his pants because... Who knows? Yeah. Either way, he wasn't armed. Singer had it under control. Yeah. Uh It should have been done right there. There was no reason to beat his friends either. Before we get too far, I I want to bring this up. We we have points in our media, and I, I hesitate to say this because the media is often very distorted, but we have points throughout our media where we constantly see one one department thumping their dick on the table mm-hmm. and removing uh, or, or saying that this is their case, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And then escalating that case. Quickly. Which is exactly what happened. And they wonder why there was a blowback. You got to wonder where all that stems from, Right. You know, when you see this on the TV, when you see the stuff in TV shows and movies and 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 you know, media in general, not not news or anything like that, you have to ask yourself, where'd they get the idea for this? You know, if you don't, then I don't know what you're doing with your time. Like everything I watch has some sort of impact on me. It it raises questions. It 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 makes me start questioning things that I see. It it it's maybe it's because yeah maybe it's because you know i'm i i like to write maybe it's because i am a constant questioning individual i i don't take anything at face value i don't know what the reason is but when i watch things or when i read things i start to wonder where the idea for that came from there was an initial thing so when two different departments are on the same scene. It is the officer that is higher ranking that departments take. And in this case, Kuhn was the A sergeant. Officer. He was technically over, even though they're different departments, he was a ranking sergeant. They were all patrol officers. Yeah, well, even if they were highway patrol. Covered. I agree with you. I don't believe this needed to be escalated, but you have to remember this is also... Yeah, way back when. Yeah. There's also years a, ago. There's also a point. God, thank you for the existential crisis. I needed that today. Like I'm not under enough stress. Back in the day 
when I was young. I'm not just a saying, okay. It wasn't that long ago. There was a point in the 50s, 60s, and 70s where if two different departments from even in the same county were on a scene, it wasn't ranking. It was they had to battle it, usually in court, for a five-minute like judge to say which one went which. Um, there was also the point that whoever got the most arrests got more funding for their department. So Quotas. it came into a battle for quota. Yeah. Quotas. Still a problem. The thing that they swear up and down that they don't have. Anyways, back to fact. Uh, George Holliday's recording shows King on the ground after being tased by Coon. We're going to talk about the tape in a minute, but it's, it's pertinent. Yeah. He rises and rushes towards Powell, as argued in court, to either attack Powell or to flee. King and Powell collide in a rush. Taser wire can be seen on King's body. Officer Powell strikes King with his baton, and King is forced to the ground. Powell strikes King several more times with his baton. Brisno moves in, attempting to stop Powell from striking again, and Powell stands back. Kuhn reportedly said, Stop, stop, that's enough, that's enough. King rises again to his knees. Powell and Wynn are seen hitting King with their batons. Kuhn ordered the continued use of the batons, directing Powell and Wynn to strike with power strokes. According to Kuhn, they used bursts of power strokes and then backed off. King continued to try to get to his knees. Kuhn then ordered the officers to hit his joints, including his knees, wrists, elbows, and ankles. A total of 33 blows were dealt to King, plus 7 kicks. The officers again swarm King, this time using 8 total officers. King was placed in handcuffs and cord cuffs, restraining his arms and his legs. King was then dragged to the side of the road on his stomach to await the arrival of EMS. Opinion. When you are being attacked, and if anyone listening is saying that they've never had their ass kicked, they're gonna lie. They're lying. Everyone's had one good ass kicking in their life. And, and if, if they, they haven't, haven't they, they need one. one. <laughs> However, when you're being attacked, there's a point where you stop thinking about your actions and instinct takes over. You just do. It's survival at that point. Because as King states later on, he thought he was going to die. And he thought they were going to kill him. He's yeah. honestly lucky that he didn't. Yeah. We... Billy had not seen the tape. No, I had never seen the tape before this. There was a 30-minute documentary that I needed to watch for that was pertinent to this due to riots and things like that. Uh, in the midst of that, I noticed that the video popped up, and I asked Billy had he ever seen the video of the Rodney King beating. And he said no, and I played it. And I've never seen a more visceral reaction out of a human being to swing on a TV. <laughs> he was about to punch through the TV as if he could punch the guy in charge. Because it's very obvious in the tape who Stacy Kuhn is. He is standing with a position of power over and watching it. Give me one opportunity to blues clues into something. Not <laughs> take care of the man. Well, the other thing, too, and, and you know, I'm going to probably say this a lot throughout the night. We are in separate generations. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
you three, and me, separate generations. The brutality like this, you have seen, but it's usually well after the fact. It's usually edited until long after court cases and stuff are are settled and whatnot. This is police brutality and violence against black people and and, and this level of, of racial profiling. These are things that only exist as words for the most part. My generation, we grew up seeing it. You, I know where you grew up. Yep. I've been in your life since you were, we figured, 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. You haven't seen it firsthand either. You've seen some of it. I've seen... I've seen some things I care not to have ever seen. I don't know about you if you've ever seen it firsthand and how bad it can get. I grew up in the hood. <laughs> like, yeah, I lived in suburbia, but the hood was right there. <laughs> like, you're talking you a matter of adjacent. a street. Yeah, you I grew up hood adjacent. adjacent. I mean, realistically, though. <laughs> yeah, no. It was all the same. I grew up hood adjacent, and I hung out in the hood. I have seen my black friends get harassed and beat by the police. I have seen how they have been profiled. I have witnessed me being told to leave my friends and finding out, well, honestly, I never really left until I was left with no other option. Um, I should have been just as guilty, right? They didn't do anything. They were walking with me down the street. Minding your own business. Yeah. We hadn't caused no trouble. We weren't smoking. We weren't drinking. We weren't vandalizing anything. We were just walking down the street. And I was told to leave. My black friends were told to stay. I stayed with them most of the time, unless I was forcibly removed from the situation. Why? Why am I not just as guilty as they are? I have seen it firsthand with my own eyes. I have been left standing there not knowing what to do. Not always just with police officers, but left standing there not knowing what to do. And why the situation was unfolding the way it was. I have been attacked myself for protecting my black friends. I've gotten my ass kicked a couple of times just because of the people that I was friends with. And I wasn't going to allow them to get the shit kicked out of them alone. If you're getting ass beaten, I'm getting ass beaten. Not a lot of people will put their money where their mouth is. I think that's a big thing that we're trying here to to do, too. Um, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday. And uh, the the basic crux or the, the thesis of our conversation was, well, you know, I'd rather be trying to be part of the solution 
than continually being part of the problem. And I, I think a lot of people need to ask themselves that these days. What side of the fence do you really want to fall on? Do you want to be part of the solution? Do you want to try to be part of the solution? Or do you want to be con- continue to be part of the problem? Or do you just want to be seen as part of the solution? A lot of well, that's even worse. That, yeah, a lot of people don't even want to recognize that there is a problem. Yeah, that's we, another issue altogether. We want to act yeah. like racism doesn't exist anymore. That police brutality is just a thing we hear about by the uh, mass media to whip us into a frenzy. Well, if these incidents would stop happening, we wouldn't have to to be in a frenzy. Hell. The whole reason that we're doing this episode and talking about this is because yet a fucking again, another black person who wasn't doing anything wrong, sleeping in their own home, was broken on by the police and killed. And I'm talking about Amira Locke, for those of you that are curious. Go look it up. It's just as sickening as, uh, um, what was the other one where they, they busted in and shot? Brianna Taylor. Brianna, Brianna Taylor. Taylor. It's just as sickening. Because once again, there was no need. They had the wrong address. And you can make all the excuses you want for the police. They always do. But there was no reason. You woke somebody up and they drew a gun that they had every right to own. Because and was legal. They were legal to own it. Because somebody just broke into where they're at. They think they're in danger. Surprise. There was no reason. Nine seconds between between the time you opened the door and murdered a man. Nine seconds. Now, let me ask you, any one of you listening right now, if someone came through your door, do you think in eight seconds you'd be able to wake up and know what the fuck's going on? (laughs) No, you wouldn't. No. If you're a gun owner, whether it's legal or or whatever... The first thing you're going to do is you're going to hear someone come through that door. You're going to pop your head awake and you're going to grab your gun because you are going to be protecting your self, your loved ones, your home, your property, i.e. stand your ground. You know, those things that the castle doctrine that you so far you, you defend so much until it comes back in your face. Fact. George Holliday was a plumbing salesman who lived in in the Lakeview Terrace section of Los Angeles. On Sunday, March 3, 1991, he and his wife, Maria, were shaken awake by the sound of the helicopter flying low over their apartment complex. It was 12.45 a.m., and the two had been fast asleep, with plans to wake up early and watch a friend run in a local marathon. To record his friend's feet, Holliday had just bought a Sony camcorder and was still learning to use it when he and his wife went to the balcony to see what was causing the commotion. Across the road, they saw several officers approaching a car from behind. Holiday sensed something important was about to happen. He ran to his living room to get his video camera. From the bedroom, his wife exclaimed, Oh my God! He returned to see four officers beating Rodney King on the ground. They kicked him, hit him with nightsticks, and shocked him with a taser before hog-tying him and leaving him to lie there until EMS arrived. Holiday filmed the attack for nine minutes. Although he missed the beginning while he was getting the camera, 
defense lawyers raised issues with the fact that the start of the encounter wasn't filmed and that consequently did not capture or see the moment in which King had threatened them. Later that day, the Holidays went to their friend's race and a wedding. The next day, the Holidays called LAPD to see what happened to King, and the switchboard operator hung up on him. Holiday then called a local TV station, KTLA, which sent a reporter to interview him. The reporter borrowed the tape. A report about the incident ran on the news that night, and the station sent a clip of Mr. Holiday's video to CNN, with which KTLA had an agreement to share footage. The next day, Mr. Holiday went to the station to retrieve his tape, aware that he had something sensational on his at hand. He asked for payment. The station gave him 500 but he later said it didn't tell, tell him the tape had already been copied and shared. By the end of the day, the story was international news, with a clip of Mr. Holiday's video playing around the world. Law enforcement got involved. The police arrived at his home with a subpoena, and the FBI opened an investigation. Mr. Holiday became a, rel a reluctant minor celebrity in one of the biggest stories of the 90s. At one point, he was getting 100 calls a day from reporters. He said he had to change his phone number three times. But if he was uninterested in media appearances, he became eager to reap whatever profit he could from his 15 minutes of fame and became angry when his fame didn't lead to fortune. He hired an agent, a lawyer, and a publicist, all of whom worked on consignment. He released a videotape uh, that for $39.95 would teach others how to make money off citizen journalism. There was a... There was talk of a biopic, a TV show, a George Holiday crime fighter toy, and this being the early 90s, a 1-900 number in which callers could pay one ninety-five a minute to hear his advice and thoughts and to leave their own tips, none of which came to anything. He did make some money off his clip. He licensed it to a female rap duo called Bitches with Problems. He did the same. Same after a legal fight to Spike Lee for use in his film Malcolm X. But he earned less than $10,000, he said, and that left him a little bitter. He sued KTLA and other stations for $100 million, saying that they had not told him that the video would be shared, and a judge threw out the lawsuit in 93. But he did notch one achievement. His video was included in the 1993 Whitney Benile uh, in New York which during which it ran on a loop. It is if, if that it's as if television has replaced art school as a breeding ground for new talent. The art critic Deborah Solomon wrote in the New York Times. Mr. Holiday's video played a critical role in the assault trial of four officers involved in the King beating in April 1992. A jury found three of them not guilty and declared a mistrial in the case of the fourth officer, a verdict that set off six days of violence in Los Angeles, leading to the death of 54 people and an estimated total of $1 billion in damage. The video also came into play in 1993 federal civil rights case against the officers, which led to the conviction of two of them, 
and in 94, a civil suit by Mr. King against the city of Los Angeles, for which he was awarded $3.8 million. Mr. King later said that he had lost most of the money in bad investments. He drowned in his backyard swimming pool in 2012 at the age of 47. Holiday said that he was glad he had done what he did, but that he regretted the impact it had on the Los Angeles Police Department. And there's a quote. I feel bad for the police department, he told the Los Angeles Times in 96. I think that beating was out of line, but I've never had a bad experience with them. Mr. Holiday and Mr. King met just once, by chance, soon after the not guilty verdict at a gas station. Opinion. Fuck George Holiday for trying to cash in on it. Oh, yep. I was waiting to just say it. He was a shitbag human being. My guy, you recorded one of the most important things of the 90s. What'd he do? Try to capitalize on it. Part of me understands, like, yeah, you gotta look out for your bottom line, but you're just trying to get rich. Fuck off. He did this constantly his whole life. He did. He was was, was a schemer. Like, 100% of these get-rich-quick things. Once again, you you put... Look, trying to look, look good over <laughs> most most of these paparazzi and nightcrawler fucks are oh, scum. Agreed. Just flat out fucking scum. But this literally laid it in his lap. This was literally outside of his apartment. Just do the right thing. I'm Just also right curious thing. if incident if this incident led to the rise of the nightcrawler type journalism. That's exactly uh, what there's I was yeah. there. Well, I mean, I attributed this to also an. I'm going to get... This one is an opinion. I would attribute oh, yeah, this... we're in opinion. I already said opinion. Yeah. But I have to preface it again. I would attribute this to the rise of things like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. See, I still don't... I see the link because... I'm sorry, but television at that point has... I don't want to use that word. Uh, I have to use it. Television has then trumped the film industry. I'm using Trump as its original term, not yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see the correlation between those two things, except for the fact that the rise of reality TV, um, the sensationalism of a real event, is probably what dre- drove us closer to reality TV. That's about it. That's the only connection that I can see in a that case. A chance videotape being released, because let's be honest, Kim Kardashian got famous off of her sex tape. Uh. Yeah. Um, I, that's all I can do is a chance tape because that's exactly what happened. Imagine if, just if, George Holiday had not captured that on film. <coughs> just imagine, we wouldn't know. It would all have been swept under the rug. Yeah. All you would have is is hearsay at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We heard of this guy in the he 90s that got beat by the cops, but we can't. went to prison. Because if, even if that yeah. police ho- helicopter had had a camera on it, which I'm sure it did at that time, it, it was shitty, but I'm sure it had it one. It did. There is some footage, but it's... It's it's, uh, it's grainy, and it, if it hadn't been for Holiday's tape, that footage would have been lost. That film was sequestered and not released. It was not allowed to be released, and then it was destroyed. I yeah. wonder why. <laughs> I don't know, Billy. Could it have incriminated the police officers further? Because we don't know, because of those few seconds that are missed, and there's more in it, but because of those few seconds that were missed, that's caught on the police 
Well, camera. Uh, so if they know what's on it, of course they're going to destroy it. Let's go it. back even further. Again, opinion. God, please. Let's go back even further to the incident itself. King's two friends were beat as well. Yeah, why are you going to tell me to get out of a car? I, I just saw my friends get beat. Uh, you think I want the same? Why did his friends get beat? There's no report of them resisting arrest in any way, shape, or form. They didn't. They got out and they were technically victims because they had no control over what King was doing. Right. What are, what are they going to do? Jump out of a car going 117 miles an hour? No, no. weapons. Dude, Not breaking the law. For a good time. Complying with the police officer's de- uh, uh, demands or, or orders or however you want to say it. Why the fuck did his two friends get beat? And then again... Because they get away with it. The man... King can see his two friends getting the shit kicked out of him. And you want him to just get out of the car and join in? Let me ask any one of you. I don't care what color your skin is. If two of your friends get out of the car and get the shit kicked out of them by the police, are you going to want to get out of the car next? When you're outnumbered... And they clearly have guns. I, I mean, if it was a one-on-one fight and you think you can take them, some people are definitely... I mean, what's the only it. option at that point? Immediately get out of your car, fall to the ground before they even tell you to? Like, nope. I've already complied. That's not going to work. Not resisted in any way, shape, or form. Why are you kicking me? Why are you hitting me? Ow, fuck, stop. Because, once again, you're going to eventually go into fight-or-flight mode. Mm-hmm. Your, your instincts are going to take over. I think that's what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to trip his fight-or-flight to see if he would hurt one of them, and then they have justifiable everything. Or he tries to flee, which we see him trying to get up and leave because I don't want to die. Now he's resisting arrest. He's trying to flee. And we've seen videos, like, recently. Mm-hmm. You you can see them on anywhere online where people do that. They... Will get out of the car and hands on the roof before either even told to, and it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't change anything. It just raises more suspicion a lot of the time. Like, why are you doing that if you don't have anything? If you're not guilty of anything, because I don't want to cause any problems. George Floyd in the video that, that was released, he was mostly compliant up until they tried to put him in the back of the cruiser. He was citing that he had claustrophobia. If that is true, if he truly was claustrophobic. There's no control at that point. No. You are terrified. Claustrophobia is a legitimate fear. It's you are reasons called a phobia. You're terrified of tight spaces. Your flight or fight response is going to kick in. There is nothing you can do to get around it. Well, before they even put him in the back, they stated that they knew he was under medical duress. Oh yeah, they knew. They said they knew before they even tried to put him in the back. That's why they had to pull him back out because he couldn't breathe. So. You put your knee on a guy's neck? God damn it, Billy! We'll get to that next time. Well, no wonder he couldn't fucking breathe. He was under medical duress. They acknowledged that he was under medical duress before he was even put into the car. This is a big problem with the police force in general is they have no, I don't want to call it sensitivity training because that's not what it is. They have no training on how to deal with uh, individuals that have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And newsflash, the entire country has mental health issues. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask a question here. Right. Do you really want to look at Stacey Coon and think he didn't have mental issues? I don't want to look at Stacey Coon at all. He is a hideous motherfucker. I'm sorry. I just think he's a piece of shit and I don't like looking at shit. This is an opinion. I know that there are good cops out there. If you're a good cop and you hear this and you take offense to it, I'm sorry. But it takes a bully to want to be a police officer these days. That growing up, those those are the kids that, that beat up on the, the kids that they perceived as less than them. 
smaller than them. Yep. And y- yeah, you're right. There are some good police officers, but most of them get weeded out when they report their fellow officers. Here's the thing. Complacency or silence is still consent in this issue. Yeah, no, you're not a bad cop. I don't care. You're not a good cop if you don't say anything. And I understand that there's going to be backlash. But what's more important? Your job? Or doing the right thing. Protecting and serving your community. The thing that you swore to do. When one of your fellow officers is not protecting and serving, you need to step in and protect and serve. The only time that I agree with a cop staying on the force with that same team that is doing that is if they are gathering evidence against them with work of somebody else. Again, show it. This is opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is not fact. Mm-hmm. This is opinion. I feel that it's not there aren't as many good cops as they'd like you to believe. No. No. And when it comes to racists and white supremacy types, they infiltrate arenas that will offer them positions of power. Politics, law and order, you know, things like that. And then they inflict their belief structure through the badge and the uniform. Mm -hmm. Or through the policies that they write and and push through. There's a reason we still have so many laws that are clearly stacked against minorities. Again, this is just opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you go digging, it's really creepy how many you find. It's it's like, uh, don't Google how many sexual predators are around you. No. Because... That's an uncomfy number. It is. Very uncomfortable. Especially because you can get all their addresses. I mean, it's... Especially when you find out one lives like two houses over. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can find out what they did. One always lives two houses over. (laughs) It's true. It's weird. They, look it up for yourself. Or don't. I'm going to bring up another point that who just mentioned in the chat. The Supreme Court has stated that the cops are not required to protect and serve. Makes me question why the fuck we pay them. Yeah. If their job is not to protect and serve, what is their job? then what is their job? What purpose do they serve besides protecting the rich and influential? Because if that's the case, they're not there for the community they're a private security business, which they're means if they attack money. you, yeah. you have every right to defend yourself. Well, I don't know how many of you were here for the pre-show music that I, I do, <laughs> but there were three <laughs> songs before the intro for the show. And I'm going to tell you, we start at 7.45 technically with the pre-show music. I know most people aren't really all that interested because it's not actually part of the show, but a lot of the times it is if you pay attention. It's topical. It'll give you a hint of what's going on tonight. <laughs> it was Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine, Free Your Mind by En Vogue, and April 29, 1992 by Sublime. Now, that last song specifically was important because those riots in 92 in April 29, on April 29th of 1992 were a direct result of what we're going to talk about after we come back from break. 
You're listening to The Cultivad, and you're going to get a brand new one by a hook called I Want to See You Tonight. You're also going to get a brand new one by uh, Wild Street called Born to Be. And you're going to get that Chimela Walk Away song again, because I just liked it, and I want to hear it again. So we'll be right back after these songs and commercials. Stick around. We've got a lot more to dig into. The Cultivad welcomes you to adorn yourself. Your walls and even your loved ones with our high-quality structural as well as body adornments for you to share our love with the world. We have all manner of material objects for you to covet. From posters, to clothing, to bean juice mugs and even stickers. Give your love to the cult of odd today. Then you can force that love onto others. They want it. They need it. And they won't survive without it. Head to our little shop of oddities now and support the cult with your love.
dissipating, close to breaking, you are the one. Thoughts are racing, you can't stop pacing, you know, you can't go on. Dilation is out of love, desperation, what you gonna do? A regeneration, become the one. You were born to Remember all the times that we would spend up on your roof Just me and you, a pack of cigarettes for two Now I'm sitting reminiscing with the fifth of Captain Morgan Drowning out my soul, looking at pictures of you Baby, where did the time go? I think we might have lost it In between all the problems you kept causing You drove a dagger through my heart, took it out and licked the blade With a smile on your face, you put me right in my coffin You cold-hearted, it's funny how they work You give a girl a card and they end up kicking the dirt So baby, beg my pardon for these words Words that I say, but you ain't the only girl anymore. Times change, but I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. You know, time changes everybody, baby. I won't. No, I won't. 
Tried to call you, I've been working even harder on myself. On myself. I know you see me doing well and you congratulate me now. But where the hell did you go when I really needed help? I know you hated that I'm making it. I know you wish you never dated him. I know it hurts to see the other girls above me now. I'm living life without you happily up in the clouds. You want me back, but I won't play no games. I won't say no names. I see that karma has something in store coming your way. And I'ma laugh at the day, just like you laughed at my pain. Cause now that I see that you're Changing. I'm very proud to say that I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. You know, time changes everybody, baby. I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Another story to tell, another wish in the well. I picked you up when you were down and kept that smile upon your mouth. But I guess it wasn't enough to make you stick around. But now I'm doing me and it feels so great. I have dreams and aspirations, you got problems to face. I could have been that guy to help you through them. But instead, you pick another dude over me. Like, what are you doing? Don't you see that it ain't like movies up on the screen? I keep it moving. With or without you, I'ma live my life and keep on doing what I always promised doing. And lately, I've been noticing the changes. Everybody seems to do the same thing. But baby, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. You know, time changes everybody, baby. I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. for a place that feels like home where you're treated as family and not just another customer. Yes! Yes! 
then Big League Brews is the place for you. Their menu is the most extensive in all of Downriver. They have an excellent breakfast selection, and they're also well-known for their burgers and wings. But hey, if you don't want to believe just some guy on the radio, Big League Brews has been voted Best Sports Bar in Metro Detroit by Click on Detroit six years in a row. They have the friendliest staff and a wide array of cocktails and beers, 26 of them on draft, with new creations regularly. And if you're looking for work, Big League Brews offers the most competitive wages with great medical and dental and vision benefits and plenty of paid time off. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to Big League Brews, located at 20428 Ecourse Road in Taylor, Michigan. Or head to BigLeagueBrews.com for more info. Big League Brews. Go beyond ordinary. Eat and drink extraordinary. All right. So we've covered the incident. We've covered the tape. And we've covered the history of uh, police overreach and, and overreaction. Very briefly. <laughs> There's only so much that we can do in a three-hour or even four-hour time period. These are things that we will be bringing up again later. Like I said, we've started this series called Lessons Yet Learned, and we're going to pick one thing, and we're going to do a deep focus Full on court it. Full press. Yeah. So it, eventually, if you want the full thing, there will be other episodes that are basically puzzle pieces that fill in. So maybe we can actually learn these lessons finally. I doubt it, but maybe. If I give one person pause to think, to me that's a win. You're. So, I'm right on it. Yeah, you you were too quiet. If I give one person a pause to think, that's all I ask. Well, um, I was talking to Planky um, beside outside of it. Planky's older than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and Planky said that a lot of the stuff that he had forgotten. So, all right. Fact. The aftermath. King was taken to the Pacifica Hospital after his arrest. Doctors discovered he had suffered a fractured facial bone, a broken right ankle, and multiple bruises and lacerations. In the suit filed against the city, however, it was listed that he, in fact, had 11 different skull fractures permanent brain damage, broken bones and teeth, kidney failure, and emotional and physical trauma on top of the previously listed injuries found at the hospital resulting from the beating. Blood and urine samples were taken from King at the hospital and showed his blood alcohol level uh, was .075, indicating that he would have been legally intoxicated under California law. Tests also show that he had traces of marijuana, uh, a very small amount, 26 uh, mic- uh, micrograms per mi- uh, milligrams per microliter. Uh, You're pac- higher than he was. Yeah. Pacifica Hospital nurses and doctors reported that the officers who accompanied King openly joked and bragged about how many times they had hit King. King later sued the city for damages and a jury awarded him $3.8 million as well as a 1.7 as well as 1.7 million in attorney fees. The city did not pursue charges against King for driving while intoxicated or evading arrest. So the man got his ass beat for no goddamn reason. I'm sorry, opinion. So the man got his ass beat for no goddamn reason. 
I'm glad he sued the fuck out of him and won. Back uh, to fact. You, you said it was 3.1 million? 3.8 million. 3.8 million. Uh, apparently, we're still on opinion. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm actually looking at hard, oh, hard fact. Based on... I'm trying to figure out uh, exactly how much they'd be worth ter- currently. It's only 30 years ago, but I mean... You're really not helpful, world. It's about four today. Yeah, it's it's around four million dollars today. Side note: um, If you really want to know how shitty the economy has become, in the beginning, when uh, the Federal Reserve was set up, where a dollar actually cost a dollar or yep. was worth a dollar, if you took a hundred dollars today back to that time period, oh, no, not again. <laughs> the value of that hundred dollars uh, has dropped ninety six percent. Yep. If that's not uncomfy to any of you. Think of that. You could take $100 from today back to when the Federal Reserve was first started, and you would have 96% more purchasing power than you would today. Which should really scare the shit out of you. Yeah. You'd have almost $200 worth of money. For for years, for decades, we've we've seen that like uh, uh, overseas in, in China and Japan, how you know a gallon of milk costs five million yen, and we're like, that's absurd. We're on our way. <laughs> but at the same time, how much is a yen compared to a dollar? The point is, that's how you get there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyways, back to fact and Rodney King. The trial. The L.A. County D.A. charged four officers, including one sergeant, with assault and use of excessive force. Due to the extensive media coverage of the arrest, the trial received a change of venue to Simi Valley in neighboring Ventura County. The jury was composed of ten white jurors and one uh, one biracial male, one Latino, and one Asian American. So Rodney King's real peers. (laughs) The prosecutor, Terry White, was black. On April 29th, 1992, the seventh day of jury deliberations, the jury acquitted three of the four of using excessive force. The jury could not agree on the fourth officer using excessive force. The verdicts were based in part on the first three seconds of a blurry 13-second segment of the videotape that, according to the journalist Lou Cannon, had not been aired by TV stations in their broadcasts. The first two seconds of videotape, contrary to the claims made by the accused officers, showing King attempting to flee past Lawrence Powell. During the next 1 minute and 19 seconds, King is beaten continuously by the officers. The officers testified that they tried to physically restrain King before the starting point of the videotape, but King was able to throw them off physically. Afterwards, the prosecution suggested that the jurors may have acquitted the officers because of becoming desensitized to the violence of the beating as the defense played the videotape repeatedly in slow motion, breaking it down until its emotional impact was lost. Outside the Simi Valley Courthouse, where the acquittals were delivered, county sheriff's deputies protected Stacy Kuhn from angry protesters on the way to his car. Movie director John Sigleton, who was in the crowd at the courthouse, predicted 
by having the verdict, what these people did is they lit the fuse to a bomb. Boom. Opinion. Wouldn't it be nice if today we still weren't seeing this shit happening? Uh-huh. Wouldn't it be awesome Great. If, when police overreacted and fucking murdered somebody that they would actually be um, sentenced? Held accountable for their actions in more than just the one or two that we've seen. Right. Derek Chauvin, the, the man that uh, basically ended George Floyd's life. He's the only one yeah. that we, we really have as a, a tentpole right now. There's a thing in the police departments and law enforcement called qualified immunity. And this basically means that the police officers are free to do their job without worry or fear of prosecution. Uh-huh. My opinion, qualified immunity needs to be removed. Uh-huh. Because if you can go to jail for the shit you're doing... You might think twice before you start beating somebody. You serve the law. You are not above it. I understand that a police officer's job is a dangerous one. However, I do also believe that non-lethal should always be first. Yep. And beating somebody is lethal. If you don't believe that, how about we just try it on on you? Tasing is non-lethal. Of course, if you tase somebody who has a heart condition, you could fuck them up, or God forbid, they have a pacemaker. You can still... If you tase somebody in the wrong spot, you could still kill them. Yeah. Beanbags, same thing. Non-lethal, but again, if you catch someone in the temple with a beanbag, that's gonna fucking kill them. Lights out. (laughs) I'd say uh, rubber bullets, but they don't understand that you're supposed to shoot those at the ground first. Yeah. Like, there, there are actions that I believe could be taken before excessive force is used. Before force is used. Before you even get to excessive force. De-escalation. That's not taught, and that's why we're having such a big issue. They can afford high-grade equipment, but they can't afford proper training? Yeah. That's exactly what we've been talking about all week. Nobody sees the problem there? No, a lot of us see the problem that we're just not listened to. There's no reason that the police need military-grade equipment. There's no reason for the police at this point. They're yeah. not preventing crime. They're not doing the one thing they were set Look, up to do. Look, police are never going to prevent crime. That no. is a stupid fucking. Uh, that is a stupid fucking argument to, that anyone could make. Is because they're not going to prevent crime. They also don't solve it. Mm. Yes a, and no. Not on a big enough scale. Not not the way they're supposed to. Not You'd for the funding they get. Look, I'm I'm the one that says that the police need to behave a lot more like firefighters. They need to sit their ass in the fucking precinct until they're called, because they're not preventing crime at this point. They never have been. There's no way to prevent crime. No, it's going to happen no matter what you do. Because here's the thing: if you put a police, if you had enough money to put a police officer on every corner. What's going to happen is is that the society itself is still going to feel oppressed. Because they're going to be. And if you get those cops bored, then they're going to start poking at society to, to have something to do. Yep. Again, I just asked a question. Opinions. Why the fuck do our city cops have tanks? <laughs> Good question. Because We don't know! <laughs> because the military doesn't need them. Yeah. I don't know if... They're passed down. That's the answer. They're they're passed down. It's like hand-me-downs. Yeah. Little brother needs this. 
you and I got into a very heated discussion the other day on this exact topic. I'm not going to revisit it because it holds no bearing. Because we talked in circles. Yeah. We can't... We must agree to disagree. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to side with Ali on this one because there is no perfect solution. No, there's there exactly is no good answer. There's not. And I, I see that and I agree, but I, I feel like there should be. I feel like we as a society need something better. The problem is, is it's too far gone right now for it to be made better. There's only one way that I see that things could be made better, and it will actually make things worse. The only way that I see, you know, we, we need to uh, we need to completely retrain the police force, yep. right? We need to give them better training, um, more training. focused on de-escalation, uh, mental health, and how to... Um, non-violently address the situation. However, in order to do that, you would have to fire the entire police force of this nation. Every single cop that is on the force right now would have to be fired. And reapply. And those in positions of power should not be able to reapply. The problem with that, then, is who do we have keeping control of our streets and our cities? Well... Martial law would be instituted at that point. If this, again, this is just a hypothetical. If that were to be done, martial law would have to be instituted. And I'm going to tell you right now, martial law is not the way anybody really wants to go. No. Because you're taking a bad situation and you're making it worse. Yep. Because now you have trained fucking killers. Yep. That's their only job. That's their only function. To unalive as many people as possible. Policing civilians. And yes, who does we know you're not stopping drug deals with a tank. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it. If if that was the case If you play Grand Theft Auto, you've probably you know committed a few drug deals with a tank. Which to me is just hysterical. Feels like a really bad Looney Tunes episode. <laughs> but no, that that's that's the only <laughs> thing that I, I, I can see is you would have to completely fire every police yeah. officer that is is complete uh, currently on a, a force, and then martial law would be instituted. And, and again, bad situation, worse. And there's no way to slowly implement that idea either. No, well, you can't there, just start training these people better. Yes, there, we actually could. But the ones that we stick? hire in, because here's the thing, the ones that we hire in is new cops, okay? Those, if you give them that training, slowly the older generation is going to phase out, and they're about to anyway in certain situations. The more you hire in of those, and the more that you pair as a ride-along with those, you start to see the reaction at least then. There is a way to phase it in, but it has to start immediately with the new cops that are being hired into every single police station. Should have started 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. it should have. But, but we're at this point now, and there's no looking back and saying, oh, we should have done that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But it doesn't matter. We have to move forward with the situation we're given. My only problem with slowly introducing it would be... Does it actually work? I, I, I see your point. It might slowly start changing those who are still there and have been there for a while and are still going to be there for a while. Or it could just take all that training and throw it out the window. All that new training. Every generation, things seem to get just a, a little bit better. Okay? We have Gen X, even though I, I like to shit on them. 
Gen X started paving the way. The Xennials, which is the, the generation that I seem to fall into, have continued the fight and started pushing the narrative that the Millennials ended up adopting. The Millennials have moved the needle. Because of the Millennials coming of age uh, at the right time to vote, we now have gay marriage. Mm-hmm. We would not have the legalization of gay marriage without the millennials. Exactly. Nope. It would not have fucking happened. We also would not have a lot of the activism that we have now without the fucking millennials. I know everybody likes to shit on them, and me too, because there's a lot to shit on. But at the same time, they have done a lot of fucking work. And it's the elder millennials and the exennials that have raised this generation that does not give a fuck about anything. Gen Alpha, the apathetic generation. No, Gen Z and then Gen Alpha. The, the Zennials, Gen Z, and now Gen Alpha is they're going to just keep it going. They will burn anything down and not give a fuck, and I love the energy. I, I still think they need some kind of control, because burning everything down, although fun... <laughs> Doesn't solve every problem. Well, I agree to an extent. However, sometimes the best thing you can do is just full reset. Look, I'm with you, but that doesn't work for every scenario. What okay. doesn't? Find out until you try. What doesn't it work with? Because look what happened, and I'm going to use this as a very broad spectrum argument here. Reminding okay? everyone we're still talking opinions here. Yeah. So. If you start at the fact of, look what happened after George Floyd. Mm-hmm. The BLM movement. Yep. Which I'm trying to stay away from because we're not dealing with that tonight. But the activism that came out of that. Do you remember seeing small teenagers taking beanbags to the chest and not yep. giving a fuck as long as they're protecting the guy behind them? Yes. Picking up. Them little rubbery tear- motherfuckers pop back up like those fucking rubber clouds. Ha ha, fuck you. If you go watch the videos of it, they're taking the tear gas that's being thrown at them and throwing it back at the cops. And that's great. You want one example of when burning it all down and starting anew doesn't work? If we did it to the police. What would have to happen? Exactly as Odd said. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up, though. Because I'm going to cite Minneapolis as they burned that fucking police station to the ground. And Minneapolis had to stand up and be like, okay, um, maybe we were wrong. But then, now lock. (laughs) Who just says fire cures all? Uh, Yes, it still happened. But because of the strides that were made there, Amir's lock... Amir Locke's case is going to get a fine tooth comb run through it and a magnifying glass taken to every aspect of it, which would not have happened had the people of Minnesota, Minneapolis, not burned that fucking police station to the ground. Do you rem- if we got rid of all of it, it would have to go into martial law. We'd have to have some kind of control, and that would make the situation worse. Moderation. I'm not saying don't burn it down. Burn, burn a little down, down. Burn it down one by one. <laughs> Do you Be methodical. Rem- do you remember when they started rioting in the city we used to live when it happened? Tucson, yeah. We were put into a lockdown. Yep. And then about a week later, we were let out of that. Out of safety issue, they tried to keep everybody out of the downtown area. Yeah. Which was wise. Because people did not care. They were lighting dumpsters on fire and then pushing it through the streets. It was 
I'm sorry. It was hilarious. Well, be- it was funny. Because we're about to start talking about the, the riots that happened, there is something that I want to point out. And this has been prevalent since the 60s. Okay? The powers that be, those in control, those that wield the power, will often send infiltrators to protests. Uh-huh. Yep. To start problems. Yep. Often, I am almost 100% sure sure that the first brick is rarely ever thrown by an actual protester. Uh-huh. Oh, no, we saw that during the BLM uh, yeah. protests. Even we- in Tucson, they were laying pallets at corners. It's yep. like, who the fuck is laying these? Because literally nobody, everybody was like, where did these come from? Well, we saw, we, we, you could literally see people who were very clearly not Black Lives Matter yep. people. They were doing the, they started the rioting and looting, and, and I, the police responded. It was I the do, same here in Detroit, too. Yep. I do want to say this about Black Lives Matter. At its core, in its inception... It was a smart move. It is a good movement at its core from its inception. The yes. problem is, is that it has been tainted and perverted and twisted. Yep. As all things are. So when people are like, oh, you support Black Lives Matter, I support the message that it was built yes. off of. Yes. A hundred percent. That these lives do matter and they're being taken unjustly and at way too high of a rate. We have a neighbor. I don't know if you've seen, if we go to the gas station, that route we take, mm-hmm. yeah, the one with all the flags, do you know how many times those flags were stolen? There's a house on our block that has a Black Lives Matters, a pro-LGBT rundown, and then multiple different LGBTQ plus flags. Yep. Do you know how many times those were stolen or burnt in their front yard? Oh, I, I know. And they had to, they kept rebuying them. They did not give up. Yeah. And now they stay. Well, who just said the Detroit police attacked the protesters first and claimed to be the victims? I watched the whole fucking stream, not just the clips. We were yep. watching the yeah. streams Same when thing. it was in Tucson too. We watched them I had break the police multiple station. Multiple streams up, like I, yeah, I had we were multiple. corner watching. It was almost like <laughs> the uh, you're talking about when the war was filmed. Mm-hmm. That's war what it was. That's what <laughs> when the war were filmed. But yeah, yeah, all, that's all the flags. Yeah, I have customers in. Uh, I do lawn care. And I have customers out in, like, Pickney area, and they'll have the Black Lives Matter flags. They'll have the all, uh, we love all, regardless of... Yeah. And you can see their neighbors walking by, and they'll see me, see that I'm a witness. And not do anything. And they'll keep walking and stare at me the whole time. Because most of the time, if I see them, I'll raise my fist. Because it's just to piss people off too. Well, it's you have a scorched earth mentality too. I will burn everything if you give me a lighter. This is why we keep gasoline away from the billium. What I also hate too, and again, we're still on opinion here, is that the the belief that all lives matter was co opted and corrupted immediately. Yes. By the racist side of things. Because it's it's the equivalent of saying, they're being dicks, honestly. Because, oh, you know, only black lives matter, right? Right what now, yeah, fuck life? you. Yeah, honestly, yeah. But it was like, no, we're literally saying, you matter too, but please pay attention <coughs> when your brethren are being literally slaughtered in the streets. If you want my full honest opinion on it, Take the 
I believe in the words, not the not this particular movement. Lives matter. Yes, all lives, all human life matters. That being said, the All Lives Matter group is only there to piss off the Black Lives Matter group. See, the, the, the reason that we have to put that qualifier there is Black Lives Matter um, is because... We seem to have forgotten that as a society. They're the ones that have been losing massive numbers over the decades. Yep. And you can sit here and try showing, oh no, white people are dying at the same rate. There's more white people. I'll it's give you a good example. Okay? And this is something that I, I conversed with a, a friend of mine about. So most people in areas of urban development or urban areas, most white folks that find themselves in an urban area, when they see a black person, they lock their doors in their car. They clutch their purse a little tighter. They maybe check to see where their wallet is. Maybe cross the street. Cross the street to avoid them. What I don't understand is that if you look through our history, if you look at serial killers, people who have taken out multiple you know, individuals, if you look at our school shooters, if you look at where most of the crime that takes massive amount of lives comes from, it's Caucasian people. So if you are going to look, feel scared or act scared of a black person in a hoodie, why are you also not acting scared of a white person in a hoodie? Why are you not acting scared of the motherfucker driving the yee-yee truck that's covered in camo? Oh, I'm flying Trump play, flags oh. proudly. Oh, I, I, I'm I, absolutely I'm terrified of that, uh, that tiny penis energy. But, I'm not terrified of it. I feel pity for them. Oh, no. But I'm no, terrified. you get what I'm saying, though. Oh, yeah. Most of our, our, our just atrocious crime has been committed by people who look like us. Okay. But the I'm narrative gonna... has been spinned against it. Well, where do you think the How narrative How do you spin means? a narrative against somebody who fucking ate people? Ooh, ooh. Um, he was just hungry. <laughs> the motherfucker got a restaurant named after him. Now you're eating five guys. Listen. <laughs> Look, it's a good joke. A great joke even. Now I kind of want some burgers and fries. That's the joke that got him banned from Facebook five years later. <laughs> <laughs> but he posted that meme five years ago and got hit with a 30-day ban. He appealed it and then got hit with a 72 altogether. Yeah. That's my point, though. <laughs> Black people aren't scary. I've never once been afraid of a black person. Nope. I've never once been afraid of a group of black people. No, nope. oh, but I've had some creepy-ass white dudes follow me around the mall and been terrified. Yup. I'm afraid of people. Yeah. <laughs> Just people. Okay? But, like... Who this is goddammit odd? And I'm not sure which one he's applying that to. But well, I'm I guessing the five guys, guys burgers and fries. Yeah, you got to remember, they're on a, a slight delay. But yeah, I've never been afraid of black people. I've never been afraid of Mexican people. I've never been afraid of Asian Americans. Or, you know, I, I've never been afraid of anyone whose skin doesn't look like mine. You I'm know who I'm afraid of? The motherfuckers that look like me. I'm really not even afraid of the motherfuckers who look like me. You, you, you don't... Hair, though. You're... I, worst case scenario, what? They pick a fight and kill me? Oh, no. Yeah, you've got a death wish, though. <laughs> yeah, you're diff- you can't. You, you, you ain't like us, bud. All right. You ain't like the rest of the <laughs> Fact. 
1992 Los Angeles riots, also called the Uprising, was a series of riots and civil disturbances that occurred in L.A. County in April and May of 92. The unrest started in the South Central sector of L.A. on April 29th after the jury acquitted four officers of the LAPD charged with excessive force in the arrest of and beating of Rodney King. The rioting took place in several areas in L.A. Uh, as thousands of people rioted over six days following the verdict's announcement. Widespread looting, assault, and arson occurred during the riots, which local police had difficulty controlling due to lack of personnel and resources. The situation in L.A. was resolved only after the California National Guard, U.S. military, and several other law enforcement agencies deployed more than five thousand federal troops to assist in ending the violence and unrest when the riots ended 64 people had been killed 2000 or 2300 uh 2383 people had been injured and more than 12,000 had been arrested and estimates of property damage were well over 1 billion dollars Koreatown, situated just north of south central LA was disproportionately damaged LAPD Chief of Police Daryl Gates, who had already retired at the time of the riots, was attributed with much of the blame for the failure to de-escalate the situation and overall mismanagement. Here is the timeline. At 3.15 p.m., the acquittals were handed down. At 3.45 p.m., a crowd of more than 300 people had appeared at the Los Angeles County Courthouse protesting the verdicts. 4.15 to 4.20 p.m., a group of people approached the Payless Liquor and Deli on Florence Avenue just west of Normandy in South Central. 4.58 p.m., Mayor Tom Bradley held a news conference to discuss the verdicts. He both expressed anger about the verdicts and appealed for calm. Police intervention at 71st and Normandy. At Florence and Haldale, or Haldale, Two officers issued a plea for assistance in apprehending a young suspect who had thrown an object at their car and whom they were pursuing on foot. Approximately two dozen officers, commanded by the 77th Street Division LAPD Lieutenant Michael Moulin, arrived and arrested the youth, 16-year-old Sendell Daniels, forcing him into the back of the car. The rough handling of the young man, a well-known minor in the community, further agitated an uneasy, growing crowd who began taunting and berating the police. Among the crowd were Bart Bartholomew, a white freelance photographer for the New York Times, and Timothy Goldman, a black U.S. Air Force veteran in in visiting his family, who began to record the events with his personal camcorder. The police formed a perimeter around the arresting officers as the crowd grew more hostile, leading to further altercations and arrest. One one member of the crowd stole the flashlight of an LAPD officer. Fearing police would resort to deadly force to repel the growing crowd, Lieutenant Mullen ordered officers out of the area altogether. Mullen later said the officers on the scene were outnumbered and unprepared to handle the situation because their riot equipment was stored at the police academy. (laughs) Hey, forgot the flashlight, or forget the flashlight, it's not worth it. It ain't worth it. It's not worth it. Forget the flashlight. Not worth it. Let's go. Lieutenant Michael Mullen, Bullhorn, broadcast as recorded by Goldman's footage at the se- at 71st and Normandy. But I like that flashlight. 5.50 p.m. 
77th Street Division, LAPD, Lieutenant Michael Mullen made the call for reporting officers to retreat from 71st and Normandy. They were sent to an RTD bus depot at 54th and Arlington and told to await further instructions. The command post formed at this location was set up approximately by 6 p.m., but had no cell phones or computers or other than those in squad cars. It had insufficient numbers of telephone lines and handheld police radios to assess and respond to the situation. Just after 6 p.m., a group of young men broke the padlock and windows to Tom's Liquor, allowing a group of more than 100 people to raid the store and loot it. Concurrently, the growing numbers of rioters in the street began attacking civilians of non-black appearance, throwing debris at their cars, pulling them from their vehicles when stopped, smashing windows, or assaulting them as they walked on the sidewalks. At approximately 6.15, as reports of vandalism, looting, and physical attacks continued to come in, Mullen elected to take the information, but not to respond or send personnel to restore order or rescue people in the area. Mullen was relieved by a captain ordered only to assess the Florence and Normandy area, and again, not to attempt to deploy officers there. Meanwhile, Tur continued to cover the events in the pro- progress <clears throat> events in progress live at the intersection. From overhead, Tur described the police presence at the scene around 6:30 p.m. as none. 6:43 p.m. A white truck driver, Larry Tarvin, drove down Florence and stopped at a red light at Normandy in a large white delivery truck with no radio in his truck. He did not know that he was driving into a riot. Tarvin was pulled from the vehicle by a group of men, including Henry Watson, who proceeded to kick and beat him before striking him up, unconscious with a fire extinguisher taken from his own vehicle. He lay unconscious for more than a minute as his truck was looted before getting up and staggering back to his vehicle. With the help of an unknown African-American, Tarvin drove his truck out of further harm's way. Just before he did so, another truck driven by Reginald Denny entered the intersection. Reginald Denny, a white construction truck driver, was pulled from his truck and severely beaten by a group of black men who came to be known as the LA-4. The attack was recorded on video from Turr and Gerald's news helicopter and broadcast live to U.S. national television. Coldman captured the end of the attack and up close of Denny's bloodied face. Four other L.A. civilians came to Denny's aid, placing him back in his truck, in which one of the rescuers drove him to the hospital. Denny suffered a fractured skull, an impairment of speech, and the ability to walk, for which he underwent years of rehabilitation. Thank you. Around 7.40 p.m., almost an hour after Denny was rescued, another beating was filmed on videotape at the location. Fidel Lopez, a self-employed construction worker and Guatemalan immigrant mistaken by the crowd to be white American, 
was pulled from his GMC pickup truck and robbed of nearly $2,000. Rioters included Damian Williams, who smashed his forehead open with the car stereo, and one tried to slice his ear off. After Lopez lost consciousness, the crowd spray-painted his chest, torso, and genitals black. He eventually re was rescued by black reverend Benny Newton, who told the rioters, Kill him, and you have to kill me too. 7.45, the first call reporting a fire came in. 8.30 p.m. The police return in force to Florence and Normandy. The intersection was in ruins, and most of the rioters had left other nearby intersections and shopping centers in the area, with rioting and looting spreading across the rest of south-central Los Angeles once word spread of the situation at Florence and Normandy. By nightfall, the neighborhoods of Crenshaw, Hyde Park, Jefferson Park, West Adams, Westmont, Green Meadows, Historic South Central, Florence, Willowbrook, Florence, Graham, and Watts were being looted, vandalized, and set ablaze by rioters. I'm going to pause right here and go into opinion. That was... It was rough for me to write, but that was rough to hear again. Violence will always beget violence. Okay? The problem that most people see when rioting and looting and everything starts is they claim that they don't understand it. They claim that it makes no sense. They claim that they're just making things worse. I agree that they are kind of making things worse. However, I understand it. And whereas I don't necessarily agree with it, I'm also not in a position where I have had to deal with that level of oppression on a daily basis in my life. Think about this for a second. You're told day in and day out that the color of your skin is wrong, that you are less than, you are a second class citizen, there are opportunities that are not afforded to you just because of the color of your skin and the area that you live in. Now, you also have to see time and time again your community being treated as if you don't matter. There's no hope in sight. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Do you really not understand why they're rioting? Do you really not understand that feeling of, I've got nothing left to lose? They're not listening to us when we try to talk? Because all that they seem to listen to is violence. It's the only language that they seem to understand. So at that point, I completely understand the rioting. Again, I don't agree with it, but I get it. I understand the riding. What I don't understand is just because somebody is white pulling them out of their vehicle and beating them to a bloody pulp. Can you imagine driving into a war zone, having no clue what's been going on? Do you know the term seeing red? Yes, but I cannot also justify that in my head. Although I don't agree with them I doing it, I also kind of understand 
Was there a need to pull, basically pull three black men out of a vehicle and beat them? Okay, but they're fighting their own cause by pulling out the one I the Guatemalan immigrant. They hit a minority just because he would pass as white. Yeah. That's fucked up. It's fucked up. Their cause doesn't matter to anyone but them at that point. Yeah. It's, you get into... It's a rage state. Yeah. There's, there's not... It doesn't matter if anybody else understands. You know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, and you're gonna do it. Just like a flight or flight. Look at January 6th. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the shit that happened there. You had a group of people who were told that they were wrong, and they are wrong. They are very much wrong. Sick. Wrong. And what did they do? Just because they were told wrong. Nobody had late has beaten the shit out of a white person or a Republican the way that they have beaten the shit out of the black community. And mm-hmm. what happened? They stormed the fucking Capitol. Trying to overthrow our very democracy. Why? Because they didn't like the fact that their uh, mindset is outdated. And the whole rioting, uh, I, I was just sitting here listening to you and it drew a weird parallel in my mind. Uh, when a child is going through you know, has, has a lot of trauma at home. They will oftentimes hurt themselves in some way, shape, or form. Cutting, burning, pulling their own hair out. It's a form of control. Riding is effectively the same thing, just with a bigger group. They're uh, hurting the thing that they can control. Again, though, time and time again. And they, they, this isn't just with racism. This is with everything in this country. We try to talk to you. We try to talk, and, and this is a direct message to the GOP at this point, or politicians in general. Let's let's just do that. Politicians in general, because Democrats are just as fucking bad as Republicans. Anybody in any kind of power. We try to talk it out, and then you talk us in circles and don't listen to us. We try to do things the quote-unquote right, right way by peacefully assembling and protesting what we disagree with. You fired rubber bullets. And you still send cops because it might fuck up, you know, optics are bad. We try to go about things. We try to affect change through policy. And those policies, because they don't fit the narrative that you want to push and the bottom line that you so desperately cling to, are ignored. We try to talk to you, we try to peacefully protest, and we try to change policy the best we can. And all three of those things are ignored. So you leave those that truly want change for the better no other option. It's designed this way. The people in power are the ones that are directly responsible for the response they get. You don't like it? Change it. There's no fucking way on earth you can tell me that Rodney King's trial was a fair trial. You had ten white motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you got a fucking trail mix bag of all peanuts with a couple of M&Ms thrown in for fun. Uh, only one half of an M&M. Yeah. Well, the point is, 
You stack the deck against them. There was no way that they were going to hand down a guilty verdict. To this day, other than Derek Chauvin and maybe just a small handful of other ones, there has been no retribution for the minority community when it comes to excessive violence from the police. And so, until there's change, you're just going to get more of the same. What the fuck do you expect? What do you honestly expect is going to happen? For them to lay down and take it. Yeah, that's honestly all that's expected. And no. It's not going to happen. Because these people are tired of being doormats. These people are tired of being seen as second-class citizens. I joke all the time with my black friends because they'll say, well, you're white, you don't understand. I said, motherfucker, I am poor white. I am seen as just as bad, if not worse, because they see it as my skin has afforded me every opportunity, and I'm still poor. Just a wasted potential. Well, it's because black people are seen as a different class. Not even second. They're seen as other. Yeah, that's the bullshit. They... They are them. They are not us. There is no races. There's the human race. That's it. Hmm. Some of us produce more of a particular chemical in our skin. That's it. Yeah. It's scientific. Well, and I I had told you, too, when we were talking about this, um, racism, in my opinion stems from a massive inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. I know to a lot of people that's going to sound weird because they they claim that they're superior. Small dick energy. It's not even that. (laughs) It's the energy. I'm pointing, I'm going to point to the uh, birth of our nation. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay? You had a bunch of wispy, powdered wig wearing creatures of comfort. Uh-huh. Sailing across the ocean and landing on virgin land, so they thought. Uh-huh. And then they come across the native people. Strong, resilient, hardworking. They don't have a lot of the creature comforts that uh, have made the, the white people lazy and soft. They saw superior individuals and then immediately went about trying to say, oh, well, they're just savages. They don't know any better. Oh, I hate that word. Wait till they get some of our creature comforts. That word makes me very uncomfortable. Here's the thing. They did the same thing with African Americans. They saw a strong, resilient. Any group who looked different than them was worse than them to even, them. And even it, other like other types of white. It's fear. It's fear of being inferior. Yeah. It's Look, the fear of knowing you're inferior in some way. Because there's no way in hell you're telling me one of them John Adams looking motherfuckers was gonna get out there and start tilling the goddamn field himself. No. Mm-mm. Nope. You soft. You weak. Jefferson alone. Fuck your life. Bing bong. So, what do you do? <laughs> Who does? Try to avoid it. Landed on Virgin Land and immediately proceeded to fuck it. Yeah. Uh, rape it, I think, is the better word. Oh, that rape word. the land, because that's, that's all we've done. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't like it, but... There was no consent. Like it, but you're correct. There was no consent. I believe that uh, racism and slavery and all that has stems from a massive inferiority complex. Oh, definitely. It's also a fear of something different. And there's nothing to be afraid of. No. No, they're people. Yeah, they live their lives slightly differently. They don't have the same creature comforts you do. Slightly differently how, though? They're, they're trying to raise families. They're trying to make a living. But they go about it in a slightly different way than what the white man was doing. Because the white man had all these creature comforts. He the didn't have were, to go do this. Natives they, were right. Yeah, they oh. got lazy. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. The monkeys were right. Fuck evolution, man. We should have never come down out of the trees. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Need just a second, bud. Uh, anyways, um, if you look in animal society, there's not war. Well, unless you count the war between the chimpanzees and the gorillas that it has been taking place. That that's a really weird one. Uh, chimpanzees will fight just about anything. And they're overpowering the gorillas too. That's weird. Well, I mean, they are our closest. But if you go back to it. Us evolving away from just being animals was the dumbest thing we could have done. Good idea at the time, though. (laughs) Whoever decided to set up the society, you're an idiot. Once again, fuck your life. (laughs) Bing bong. Good theory. Really bad execution. Yeah, I mean, solid, 100% idea, just... Not done well, bud. We're too far into it now to be able to, to backtrack and change things unless we, I mean, you know, are forced to. Start over. Meteor 2024. <laughs> Giant Meteor 2024. That's what I'm voting. Yeah, That is a shirt. I believe so. I believe is it's it still, still up, up there. I think so. I don't know. It I'm going to go, yeah. go put it back up, though. Yeah, I will. <laughs> All right. Back to fact. We're still talking about the riots. And we're on day one, by the way. Still. Yeah. Numerous factors were later blamed for the severity of rioting in the 77th Street Division on the evening of April 29th. These included no effort made by the close... uh, No effort made to close the busy intersection of Florence and Normandy to traffic. Failure to secure gun stores in the division. One in particular lost 1,100 guns to looting the failure to issue a citywide tactical alert until 6.43pm which delayed the arrival of other divisions to assist the 77th the lack of any response and in particular a riot response to the intersection which emboldened rioters uh, since attacks looting and arson were being broadcast live viewers could see that none of these actions were being stopped by police by 9 p.m., the Parker Center crowd grew riotous, eventually making their way through the Civic Center, attacking law enforcement, overturning vehicles, setting objects ablaze, vandalizing government buildings, and blocking traffic on U.S. Route 101, going through other nearby districts into downtown Los Angeles, looting and burning stores. Nearby Los Angeles Fire Department firefighters were shot at while trying to put out a blaze set by looters. The mayor had requested the California Army National Guard from Governor Pete Wilson. 
The first of these units, the 670th Military Police Company, had traveled almost 300 miles from its main armory and arrived in the afternoon to assist local police. They were first deployed to a police command center where they began handing out bulletproof vests to firefighters after encountering the unit whose member had been shot. Later, after receiving ammunition from the L.A. Police Academy and a local gun store. So the the cops looted a gun store then? Okay. Eminent domain type of thing. uh, Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Police Academy, yes. Eminent domain, no, because that's looting. I mean, was it... Were they looted, or were they actually paid for it after the fact? This is temporarily The MPs de- uh, deployed to hold the Martin Luther King Shopping Center in Watts. At 9.15 p.m., protesters gathered in the Lakeview Terrace District at the site where Rodney King was beaten in 91, near the Hanson Dam. Ra- Every time I see Hanson Dam, I think Handsome Dan. <laughs> I, I, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Hanson Dam Recreation Area. The group marched south on Osborne Street to the, to the LAPD Foothill Division headquarters. There, they began rock throwing, shooting into the air, and setting fires. The Foothill Division police used riot breaking techniques to disperse the crowd and arrest those responsible for rock throwing, and the fires eventually leading to the rioting and looting in the neighboring area of Apacoma and its surrounding neighborhoods in the San Fernando Valley. So, opinion, the very first day, the police shit the bed. Oh, 100%. They dropped that ball so hard. Honestly, what did you expect? Honestly, they should have prepped for this beforehand. I think so. Was I there agree really a with president you. Set before this, though? That's the Watts the thing. riots in 65. Yeah, but honestly. 65 to 91 is a lot of time to forget. If they would have reacted in force, like we You're saw. You're the police force. You're not supposed to forget. Oh, I agree. If they reacted, like, say, they did after in the George Floyd riots, what would have happened? It would have increased anger. Literally nothing they could have done. No, 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 no. I don't think that. I think that they could have brought in reinforcements beforehand, kept them off-site, kept them out of view. Yeah. Set up a command center somewhere Within enough distance that you could get there quickly, but not within enough distance that people would notice. If you see the police taking then hundreds of black men is mostly what it was. Because I watched all of the news. That's why this one's a little bit harder for me, because I saw it. Um, If you see them arresting and beating, and or beating, I'll put that in there. That many people, what's going to happen? It's going to get worse. outrage is going to grow. There was literally there was no, no right winning. answer. No. There, there was no winning this fight. Oh, and you see you see that tactic used now, though. Oh, well, maybe yeah. charging they the prepare cops correctly. For the fallout. Yeah. Oh, well before. Of verdicts. And see, that, that, that strikes me as odd. Rather than preparing for a fallout for a verdict, how about we don't you know, hand out the wrong verdict? Well, that was on the people that was on the jury. I agree that those were the wrong people on the jury, but that's not... Ideally, you don't know what the verdict is going to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ideally. Unfortunately, we don't live in ideally land. Yeah. Ideally land. <laughs> Back to fact. <laughs> Day two. 
Mayor Bradley signed an order for a dusk till dawn curfew at 12.15 a.m. for the core area affected by the riots, as well as declaring a state of emergency for the city of Los Angeles. At 10.15 a.m., he expanded the area under curfew, and by mid-morning, violence appeared widespread and unchecked as extensive looting and arson were witnessed across Los Angeles County. Rioting moved from south-central Los Angeles going north through central Los Angeles, decimating the neighborhoods of Koreatown, Westlake, Pico Union, Echo Park, Hancock Park, Fairfax, Mid-City, and Mid-Wilshire before reaching Hollywood. The looting and fires engulfed Hollywood Boulevard and simultaneously rioting moved west and south into the neighborhood, neighboring independent cities of Inglewood, Hawthorne, Gardenia, Compton, Carson, and Long Beach as well as moving east from south-central Los Angeles into the cities of Huntington Park, Walnut Park, Southgate, and Linwood and Paramount. Looting and vandalism also has gone as far, had gone as far south as Los Angeles regions of the Harbor area in neighborhoods of San Pedro, Wilmington, and Harbor City. So you had a lot of people, opinion, that were pissed off. Yep. And weren't going to take it anymore. And the thing is, because of the makeup of Los Angeles uh-huh. and the, the areas, you pissed off everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you handed down up. a bullshit ass verdict with a stacked jury and expected. That the the area that you're within would roll over and take it, which is predominantly minority, whether it's black or Hispanic. So, according to the Census Bureau, there was nine at nine point one million people living in LA in 1992. Give a rough estimate on minorities. They fucked up the city. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, rightfully so. However, still. Now we move into day three, Friday, May 1st. In the early hours of the of Friday, May 1st, the major rioting was stopped. Rodney, G- Rodney King gave an impromptu news conference in front of his lawyers, uh, tearfully saying, people, I just want to say, you know, can we get along? That morning, at 1 a.m., Governor Wilson had requested federal assistance. Upon request, Bush invoked the Insurrection Act with Executive Order 12, uh, 12804. I don't know how to properly say that. 12,804? I, I, I think you said it correctly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... 12804. Yeah. yeah. Federalizing the California National Army or Army National Guard and authorizing federal troops and federal law enforcement officers to help resolve, restore law and order. With Bush's authority, the Pentagon activated Operation Garden Plot, placing the California Army National Guard and federal troops under the newly form, formed Joint Task Force uh, Los Angeles. The deployment of federal troops was not ready until Saturday, by which time the rioting and looting had come under control. Meanwhile, the 40th Infantry Division doubled to 4,000 troops, 
of the California Army and National Guard continued to move into cities and Humvees. Eventually, 10,000 Army National Guard troops were activated that same day. A 1,000 federal tactical officers from different agencies across California were dispatched to L.A. to protect federal facilities and assist local police. Later that evening, Bush addressed the country, denouncing random terror and lawlessness. He summarized his discussion with Mayor Bradley and Governor Wilson and outlined the federal assistance he was making available to local authorities, citing the urgent need to restore order. He warned that the brutality of a mob would not be tolerated and he would use whatever force is necessary. He referred to the Rodney King case, describing talking to his own grandchildren and noting the actions of good and decent policemen, as well as civil rights leaders. He said he had directed the Justice Department to investigate the King case and that the grand jury action is underway today and justice would prevail. The post office announced that it was unsafe for their couriers to deliver mail. The public were instructed to pick up their mail at the main post office. The lines were approximately 40 blocks long, and the California National Guard were diverted to the location to ensure peace. By this point, many entertainment and sports events were postponed or canceled. The L.A. Lakers hosted the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA playoff basketball game on the night of the the rioting started. The following game was still postponed until Sunday and moved to Las Vegas. The Los Angeles, Cl- Los Angeles Clippers moved a playoff game against the Utah Jazz to nearby Anaheim. In baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers postponed games for four straight days from Thursday to Sunday, including the whole three-game series against Montreal Expos. All were made up uh, as part of doubleheaders in July. In San Francisco, a city curfew due to unrest forced the postponement of uh, a May 1st San Francisco Giants home game against the Philadelphia Phillies. Horse racing venues in Hol- uh, horse racing venues, Hollywood R- Park Racetrack and Los Alamitos Racecourse were shut down. L.A. Fiesta Broadway, a major event in the Latino community, was canceled. In music, Van Halen canceled two concert shows in Inglewood on Saturday and Sunday. Metallica and Guns N' Roses were forced to postpone and relocate their concert to the Rose Bowl as as the L.A. Coliseum and its surrounding neighborhood was still damaged. Michael Bolton canceled his scheduled performance at the Hollywood Bowl on Sunday. The World Wrestling Federation canceled events on Friday and Saturday in the cities of Long Beach and Fresno. By the end of Friday night, the riots were completely quelled. Day 4, Saturday, May 2nd. On the fourth day, 3,500 federal troops, 2,000 soldiers of the 7th Infantry Infantry Division from Fort Ord, and 1,500 Marines of the 1st Marine Division from Camp Pendleton arrived to reinforce the National Guard soldiers already in the city. The Marine Corps contingent included the 1st Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion, commanded by John F. Kelly. It was the first significant military occupation of Los Angeles by federal troops since ni- uh, 1894, uh, which <clears throat> was known as the Pullman Strike, and also the first federal military intervention in an American city to quell civil disorder 
since the 1968 King assassination riots and the deadliest modern unrest since the 1980 Miami riots at the time, only 12 years earlier. These federal military forces took 24 hours to deploy to Huntington Park, about the same time it took for the National Guard. This brought the total troop strength to 13,500, making L.A. the largest military occupation of any U.S. city since the 1968 Washington, D.C. riots. Federal troops joined the National Guard soldiers to support local police in restoring order directly. The combined force contributed significantly to preventing violence. With most of the violence under control, 30,000 people attended an 11 a.m. peace rally in Koreatown to support local merchants and racial healing. Sunday, May 3rd. The fifth day. Mayor Bradley assured the public that the crisis was more or less under control as areas became quiet. Later that night, Army National Guard soldiers shot and killed a motorist who tried to run them over at a barrier. In another incident, the LAPD and Marines intervened in domestic dispute in Compton, in which the suspect held his wife and children hostage. As the officers approached, the suspect, the suspect fired two shotgun rounds through the door, injuring some of the officers. One of the officers yelled to the Marines, Cover me! as per law enforcement training to prepare to fire if necessary. However, per their military training, the Marines interpreted the wording as providing cover by establishing a base of firepower, resulting in a total of 200 rounds being sprayed into the house. Mind you, opinion, there's a woman and a child being held hostage into a house that they're shooting 200 fucking rounds into. Not really an opinion there, bud. Oh, true. Back to fact. Remarkably, neither the suspect nor the woman and children inside the house were harmed. What are you, stormtroopers? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is yes? In the aftermath, although Mayor Bradley lifted the curfew signaling the official end of the riots, sporadic violence and crime continued for a few days afterwards. Schools, banks, and businesses reopened. Federal troops did not stand down until May 9th. The Army National Guard remained until May 14th. And some National Guard soldiers remained as late as May 27th. Why? Because of isolated. Again, once you've given power, it's hard to revoke it. Especially when those orders come from the president. Now, I wanna, I, I'm going to sidestep opinion a little bit here. It's not exactly opinion. It's more so fact. Bush did state that he was appalled at the verdict. He, his wife, and his children sat and watched and were appalled that they could come back with that. Because there's no way in hell that it should have came back with He that. watched the video. And he stated that he, his wife, and his children sat and cried watching that. Because it was terrifying to them. That's why that man just paints now. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Alright, let's uh, bust through the, the last little facts here because there's uh, also pop culture stuff that I, I want to get into as well. Korean Americans. Many Korean Americans in Los Angeles revert to the event, the event as Sai-Ai-Gu or Sai-Ai-Gu, meaning 429 in Korean language. 
in reference to the date. Uh, over 2,300 mom-and-pop shops run by Korean business owners were damaged through ransacking and looting during the riots, sustaining close to $400 million in damages. During the riots, Korean Americans received very little aid or protection from police authorities due to the low social status and language barriers. Many Koreans rushed to Koreatown after Korean-language radio stations called for volunteers to guard against rioters. Many were armed with a variety of improvised weapons, handguns, shotguns, and semi-automatic rifles. Television coverage of two Korean merchants firing pistols repeatedly at roving looters was widely seen and controversial. The New York Times said that the image seemed to speak of race war and of vigilantes taking the law into their own hands. One of the merchants, David Jew, said, I want to make it clear that we didn't open fire first. At the time, four police cars were there. Somebody started to shoot at us. The LAPD ran away in half a second. I never saw such a fast escape. I was pretty disappointed. Carl Ryu, also a participant in the Koreans' armed response, said, If it was your own business and your own property, would you be willing to trust it to someone else? We are glad the National Guard is here. They are good backup. But when our shops are burning... We called the police every five minutes and got no response. At a shopping center several miles north of Koreatown, Jay Ree, who said he and others fired 500 shots into the ground and air. We have lost faith in the police. Where were you when we needed you? Koreatown was, an, was isolated from South Central Los Angeles yet it was the most severely damaged in the riots despite this. The riots have been considered a major turning point in the development of the distinct Korean-American identity and community. Korean-Americans responded in various ways, including the development of new ethnic agendas and, and organization and increased political activism. <laughs> now, Preparations ahead of the 93 verdict. One of the largest armed camps in Los Angeles's Koreatown was at the California Market. One of the first on the first night after the officer's verdict was returned, Richard Ree, the market owner, set up camp in the parking lot with about twenty armed employees. One year after the riots, Fewer than one in four damaged or destroyed businesses had reopened, according to the survey conducted by Korean American Interagency Council. According to the Los Angeles Times survey conducted 11 months after the riots, almost 40% of the Korean Americans said that they were thinking of leaving Los Angeles. Before a verdict was issued in the new 1993 Rodney King federal civil rights trial against four officers, many Korean shop owners prepared for violence. Gun sales increased sharply, many to people of Korean descent. Some merchants at flea markets removed merchandise from the shelves, and they fortified their storefronts with plexiglass and bars. Throughout the region, merchants readied to defend themselves, and others formed a militia group or militia groups college student elizabeth huang spoke of the attacks on her parents convenience store in 1992 
She said at the time of the 93 trial, they had been armed with a Glock 17 pistol, a Beretta, and a shotgun, and they planned to barricade themselves in the store to fight off looters. In the aftermath, about 2,300 Korean-owned stores in South Carolina, uh, Southern California were looted and burned, making up 45% of all damages caused by the riot. According to the Asian and Pacific American Counseling and Prevention Center, 730 Koreans were treated for post-traumatic stress disorder, which included insomnia and a sense of helplessness and muscle pain. <clears throat> In reaction, many Korean Americans worked to create political and social empowerment. As a result of the LA riots, Korea, <clears throat> Korean Americans formed activism uh, activist organizations such as the Association of Korean American Victims. They built collaborative links with other ethnic groups through groups like uh, Korean American Coalition. A week after the riots and the largest Asian American protest ever held in a city, about 30,000 mostly Korean or Korean American marchers walked the streets of L.A. Koreatown calling for peace and denouncing police violence. This cultural movement was devoted to the protection of Koreans' political rights, ethnic heritage, and political representation. New leaders arose within the community, and second-generation children spoke on behalf of the community. Korean Americans began to have different occupation goals. From store owners to political leaders, Korean Americans worked to gain governmental aid to rebuild their damaged neighborhoods. Countless community and advocacy groups had been established to further fuel Korean political representation and understanding. Now we move into a group that has not been talked about yet. It's a very brief, unfortunately, which is interesting. Uh, according to the report, according to a report which was published in 1993 by the Latino Futures Research Group for the Latino Coalition of New Los Angeles. One-third of those who were killed and one-half of those who were arrested in the riots were Latino. Moreover, between 20 and 40% of the businesses that were looted were owned by Latino individuals. Hispanics were considered a minority despite their increasing numbers, so they lacked political support and were poorly represented. Their lack of representation both socially and politically silenced their acknowledgement uh, silenced their acknowledgement of their participation within the area. Many of the individuals who lived in the area were new immigrants, many of them who could not speak English. Gloria Alvarez claims that the riots did not cause Hispanics and black people to socially distance themselves from each other. Instead, they united them. Although the riots were perceived as having different aspects, Alvarez argues that they contributed to a greater sense of understanding between both communities. Even though Hispanics now heavily populate the once predominantly black area, the relationship between the Hispanics and blacks has improved over time, building a stronger, more understanding community that could help prevent outbreaks of social chaos from occurring between the two groups. Though hate crimes and widespread violence between the two groups continue to be a problem in the L.A. area. However, only minor rioting, vandalism, and incidences are incidents occurred in Hispanic, Hispanic or Latino neighborhoods like Boyle Heights, East Los Angeles, and the heavily populated Hispanic neighborhoods of Northeast Los Angeles. 
There's a lot more here, um, but it would be reiterating the media media stream. The media is the media coverage. Almost as soon as the disturbances broke out in South Central, local television cameras were on the scene to record the events as they happened. Television coverage of the riots were near continuous, starting with the beating of motorists at the intersection of Florence and Normandy that we mentioned earlier. Uh, it was broadcast live. Um, in part because of extensive media coverage, the Los Angeles riots, smaller but similar riots, and other anti-police actions took place in other cities throughout the United States. The emergency broadcast system was also utilized during the rioting. Uh, articles presented from the Korean-American side stated looters target Korea, targeted re- Korean-American merchants during the L.A. riots. According to the FBI official who directed federal law enforcement efforts during the disturbance. Uh, while several articles included the minorities who were involved when damages were cited or victims were named, few of them actually incorporated them as significant aspect of the struggle. One story framed the race riots as occurring at a time when the wrath of blacks was focused on whites. That's a quote. They acknowledged the fact that racism and stereotyped views contributed to the riots. Articles in American newspapers portrayed the L.A. riots as an incident that erupted between black and white people who were struggling to coexist with each other rather than include all of the minority groups that were involved. On on Nightline, Ted Koppel initially only interviewed black leaders uh, about the black and Korean conflict, and they shared detrimental opinions about Korean Americans. Activist Guy uh, Aoki? Yeah. Guy Aoki became frustrated with the early coverage because only black and white framing was used in it, and the Korean-American community that suffered uh, was vilified and ignored. Some felt too much emphasis was placed on the suffering of Korean-Americans. As filmmaker Daisil Kim Gibson, who produced the 1993 documentary Saegu, described black Korean conflict was one symptom, but it was certainly not the cause of the riot. The cause of the riot was the black-white conflict that existed in this country from the establishment of this country. This is a moment in time that sent ripples Uh out across our uh, social landscape. Everybody thinks, oh, Rodney King got beat, and, you know, that was that, and, you know, the riots broke out, and blah, blah, blah. And then they got everything under control, and everything no, went I, back to normal. The All these riot, riots have some effect. The riots weren't just in L.A., as it was briefly mentioned. The riots were in Las Vegas, Seattle, New York, D.C., Atlanta, Detroit. Uh, there was... Some in Houston, Dallas, uh, almost every major city. Film, literature, music, television, theater, video games, all of these things were affected by this one incident. I provided you with a very extensive list. 
Spike Lee's film Malcolm X in 1992 opens with the scene of Rod- the Rodney King-, King beating, juxtaposed with the burning of an American flag that burns down and forms the letter X. Fantastic fucking movie, too, if you've never seen it. Make sure you put it on your list. The documentary film Post No Bills follows a political pro uh, follows a political poster that was made of uh, LAPD Chief Daryl Gates on an NRA shooting target and glued up on the streets of Los Angeles after the Rodney King beating. Post No Bills also includes an interview with Chief Gates about the poster and documents some of the events surrounding the resignation of Chief Gates from his position as Chief of Police. Um, it was a political poster that was made... Uh, it was in the, the movie Menace to Society. Uh-huh. And Robert Altman's The Player. You have Dai uh, So Kim Gibson's documentary that we just mentioned, uh, Saegu. Sai um, you have the film Floundering, which explores the alienation and disaffection uh, the main characters see in his neighborhood post-riot in Venice Beach. Uh, the Brian Springer documentary Spin uses intercepted raw satellite feeds from commercial television to chronicle 1992 with significant attention to the riots. Uh, the film Riot, 97. Uh, American History X in 98, Basketball in 98, Black Knight in 2001, Dark Blue, National Security. This, it keeps going. You got Straight Outta Compton in 2015. Uh, The documentary Let It Fall, Los Angeles, 1982 to 1992 in 2017. Uh, There's a That's just in movies. Now you go into literatures. Uh, You've got Stephen Barnes' novel, Blood Brothers. Uh, Much of the plot centers around an attempt to use the riots to cover up occult activity. Uh, Paul Beatty's The The White Boy Souffle. Uh, Sylvia Brownrigg's uh, The Metaphysical Touch. Eve Bunting and David Diaz's Smoky Night. Uh, It's a children's picture book about two neighboring families who lived through the riots and learned to accept each other despite their ethnicity. Um, You go into music. Fuck. This is a big list. Two Chains Riot. Tupac's Hellraiser. uh, Keep Your Head Up. Aerosmith's Living on the Edge. uh, Tori Amos's A Thousand Oceans. uh, Bad Religion, Don't Pray on Me. Black Label Society, Fire It Up. Body Count. Um, release the song Cop Killer. David Bowie and his wife Amon. Um, Black Tie White Noise. Uh, Bratmobile song Polaroid Baby. Garth Brooks, We Shall Be Free. Carolyn Spines, Good Afternoon. Downset, Anger. Dr. Dre's song, The Day hmm, Took Over. Uh, reference uh, reference the riots. Snoop Dogg and RBX also feature on the song. A California-American all-female group. En uh, Vogue, Free Your Mind. Uh, Fear East Movements, uh, 2014 K-Town Riot, Fear Factories, 1995, uh, Demanufacturer, Firehouse's song 42992, Ben Harper's Life of a King, Ice Cubes, We Had to Tear This Motherfucker Up. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, to keep up here. Um, Natural Born Killers by Ice Cube, Ice Tea song Race War, Billy Idol Shock the System, uh, A Lyric and Lamb... Lamb of God song Forgotten uh, Kendrick Lamar's uh, County Building Blues Lucky People's Center uh, Lucky People's 
song Rodney King. Um, there's actually one, I don't see it mentioned here yet, that I listened to. Uh, I have it on a list here. But it, it actually is a, a rap song told from King's perspective. Um, Machine Head, uh, the album Burn My Eyes contains the song Realize, Realize, Realize. Uh, 1992, Bradford Marcel's release, I Heard You Twice the First Time. Uh, one, minute, one minute silent song stuck between a rock and a white face. Uh, <laughs> porno, for, porno for Pyro's de- debut album, along with Black Girlfriend, both make reference to the riots. Rage Against the Machine, Zach Della Roach uh, rapped about the race riots in South Central in Township Rebellion. Uh, Rancid song, I Want a Riot. Red Man's Newsbreak. Slayer and Ice-T collaborated on a song called Disorder uh, that appeared on the Judgment Night movie soundtrack. Bruce Springsteen released an alternate version of his uh, single, 57 Channels, uh, subtitled Little Steven Dance Mix, uh, that uh, was talking about the, the riots and wanting kinder generation. Sublime song, April 29th, 92. The Boo Radleys in 1993 album, Giant Steps, contains a song entitled Rodney King, song for Lenny Bruce. The Game mentions the riots on a song, Never Say Goodbye. Uh, Offspring's LAPD, Thursday's debut album, L.A. Riot, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Peace in L.A. Then you move into television. You know, 30 Rock did episodes on it. Beverly Hills 90210 did uh, shit on it. The CW's Arrow did stuff on it. L.A. Law, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Larry Sanders Show, The Real World, The Shield, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. You you go into theater, stay, uh, Twilight, Los Angeles 1992, uh, uh the posthumous Bill Hicks album, Arizona Bay, includes a sequence of stand-up routines about the L.A. riots. Uh, Reginald Denny and Rodney King. Um, the Spoken Word album, Everything, by Henry Rollins, is a chapter out of his book, I Scream, which contains accounts of Rollins's life in L.A. during the riots, as well as his opinions of the cops and the residents' action- reactions. Then you get into video games. GTA San Andreas, Earthbound, Blitz the League 2, features a team called the L.A. Riot. And stock footage from 1992's Los Angeles riots was utilized in the opening of Resident Evil 3 to show how Raccoon City fell to the T-Virus outbreak. And God knows how many other smaller social things that all this changed and we still see in all these medias. Mm -hmm. And we've learned fucking nothing. You know what we've learned? It makes a hell of a good song when they riot. It makes a hell of a good movie when they riot. It makes a fantastic video game when you can put that little plot point and Easter egg in there. Uh, One that you were interested in playing, you said that you never had. Earthbound. Yeah. In Earthbound, after Ness beats the first boss in the game, he is taken to a police station and attacked one-on-one by four police officers and their captain. The scene in the game mirrors the 1991 beating of Rodney King. Well, thanks. I'm actually playing the game. I didn't know that. Um... (laughs) Oof, butts. <laughs> we have it, and this is the case for a lot of things. We have it put in our face every single day. Every week, every month, every year. Every minute, every hour. Since 1992. At the latest. Actually, you know what? 1991. At the latest. 
I think to an, ex- an extent, that's part of the problem, is that people see it so much and they become desensitized to it. Then learn fucking from it and we don't have to show it to you anymore. <laughs> There's a very easy solution. It's stop killing people. She's correct, though. Oh, she's right, but... We use it so, like, off the cuff. It's so flippant. It, it's yes. just, like... You can put it at the start of a video game and say that it's something else, and people see it and go, oh, okay, that's what it is. And even though you tell them, no, this is an actual thing that happened, they're like, oh, that sucks. That's because true. you see it so much, and you're, you're, it's in the video games, it's in the music, it's in the TV, and those are things that are fake. So you learn to dissociate from it. I think she's and right you to see it, it as a secondary issue. So it's, it's another... So what, we have to, to start dragging these people out in the streets and beating them? That doesn't seem like a solution no, either. that's not what I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, can we do that to the police, though? I mean, if you're saying just seeing it is desensitizing them, imagine how desensitized they'd be on a daily basis of getting beat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What solution do we have? Just stop showing it? No, it's not what... She's saying. I, I know, but, but the, there's no winning then. Oh, but he's. That's she's only right. different degrees of losing. Thanks, Ace. It's only. But she's right. It's Ouch. used so <laughs> flippantly that it really does become just a part of day to day. Oh, we know about this beating. It's in the back of our minds. But, like, that's the thing. Oh, no. We it sucks that Locke died. What are we going to do about it? But, that's, but I mean, that's an. I, I, I know, but. No, okay, so here's the thing. We grew up and we know. We, we've heard all these references. But it took going back and actually deep diving through this to find the brutality of what it really was. These are people who are getting hurt and killed. It's not These just are human your human lives being lost. It's not just your pop culture reference. This is a real human being. It's easy for us to talk about this stuff because though we are affected by it doesn't affect us. It's not our communities. And that is something that definitely needs to change. This is something that you're going to hear a lot uh, me talking about through the course of the cult of Odd. We're not white people. We're not black people. We're not Mexican people. We're not Asian people. We're not Irish people. We are people. Uh We feel the need to continually put a qualifier in front of people. I am not an American. I'm a person. I am a human being, a citizen of the planet Earth. Residing with, what, 8 billion other citizens? I don't even know what the world population is, honestly. Well, COVID took us out, took us down by at least a million. But the point is... 8 billion... I'm not American. There's no Americans, no Canadians, no Asian, uh, no 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 Russian, no Germans, no nothing. Where you live does not matter. You are a human being. You are a citizen of planet Earth first. Take care of it and each other. Time that we realize that. Uh Because I'm going to tell you what. It is 2022. We will not survive another 2022 years. No. On this current path. We won't survive another couple hundred. 
Now, I know a lot of you might be listening and saying, well, you know, I'll be dead before, you know, it ever gets real bad or any change what about your happens. Children, your grandchildren. No, no, no. Hold on. It, or because that's something that I hear a lot. Well, we'll be dead before any real change happens. That is a defeatist attitude. And that is saying that you are resigning yourself to what's happening and what's to come. Grow a backbone. If you don't like it, change it. If anything I've said tonight has made you feel uncomfortable, look within yourself to find out why. Why are you being made to feel uncomfortable? What is it about it that makes you feel uncomfortable? The fact that it happened in general. If you can watch the news report time and time again of another black person or another person of color, I won't just leave it a black person, just a person of color who has been beaten or killed by the police, regardless of what the, the they did to bring police attention to begin with. Nobody other than someone committing true harm, true danger deserves to have to worry about a police interaction. I am fucking white and almost 40 years old and I'm going to tell you what, every time I see one of them motherfuckers on the road, I get nervous. Yup. Billy and I go out door ashing and I've become hyper aware and I will point out every single time and sometimes I go a while without saying it and I'm like, we need to be extra, extra careful. That's the fourth cop I've seen tonight and that happened last night. Yeah. Nobody and- other than criminals should be afraid of the police. Nobody should be afraid of the police. The public is terrified of the police. Nobody other than criminals should be afraid of the police. At that point, though, what word are you using for criminal? Because here's the thing. Someone who's actually committed a fucking crime. Everybody's committed. A real goddamn crime. Not just being black in a hoodie at night. what qualifier is that? Because in most states, weed is illegal. (laughs) And if you have any on you, you're considered a criminal. You've got to look at your qualifiers of crime. And beyond just that, I, I don't think anybody should, be, should fear the police. Because what drives somebody to commit a crime, <laughs> statistically speaking? Poverty. Yeah. And why are people in poverty? That's a bigger issue for another time. Nicole said all she together. is definitely nervous every time she sees a cop and she's a white female. Mm-hmm. And she lives in an area that is white. Like, like you have to approach Will Wheaton. Like you're white. Like male on, on right. I would be amazed to find out that there are any people of color in the area that she lives in. Uh, who just said it's like the school shooting joke from South Park. After a while of seeing it over and over, it's same, not the same kind of concern each time. Eventually, it sadly gets to an oh, another one kind of feeling. Not saying it's right, though. But he's right. And, and Ari was right, too. It's desensitization. However, we get desensitized by it because we get bored about hearing about it. Huda says you're not a criminal until you're convicted of a crime. Huda says I agree with you, but yeah. the problem remains that you may not be a criminal until you're convicted of a crime. But what crime are you convicted of? And under what pretenses did they convict you of that? Hang on, Countries do not exist in nature. There's no 
this area is designated for this group. We as a human race should be protecting and loving one another instead of just breaking down and bullying up. How much like, further fucking we barriers of bullshit. So the song that I mentioned earlier that's told from King's perspective is uh, called Rodney King. It was released in 2011 uh, by an artist named Thurs with a Z. 1990, is that you? Um, Fucking right. Some of the, one of the lines in there, uh, they ordered us out of the car, the two homies set up, but I feel like I've came too far to be another behind bars. The entire thing, uh, another line says, the pigs tried to swarm on me. They saw I physically resist. They bring the tasers out, fire into my back. They think I'm on PCP and I ain't, it ain't even I I ain't even attack. Fall to my knees, they stand to a death trap. They tase me again. Uh am I a threat or is it cause I'm black? It was cause you were black. Unfortunately that's what it comes to. It all happened because Rodney King was black. Replace Rodney King with literally any white guy in the same scenario. Yes, you would have still had police officers chasing. Yes, they would have still been ordered out of the vehicle, but he would not have been beaten like that. No. I've said the same thing every single time we've talked about this. It is literally race relations from LAPD at that time. Because, yes, they should have made a felony stop on him. Yes. Yes, he did wrong, but he did not deserve to be beaten down in a street, hog-tied, and then drug on his stomach to the side of the road. That sounds like something out of the 40s, and I can't stand that thought. If it was truly about the crime, he would have been convicted after the fact. They didn't even have enough to convict him. If it was about the crime, he would have been in prison for the DUI. The for DUI violating his for, parole. For any of the things they labeled. So... Yeah. DUI, resisting arrest, um, fleeing. Uh, but they didn't have enough evidence driving. on any of it. Any of it. They had no evidence. No, because they beat the literal shit the out DA of The DA refused to put any charges because of what had happened on the tape. Because they had no proof that Rodney King even did half the shit that the cops said. They couldn't take one word against another. No, they can't. Because at this point... Well, the police are clearly lying about at least half the fucking charges. They can't... Uh, yeah. Can we really say that he was intoxicated, even though the toxicology does show it? That could have been forged by the police at this point. We don't know what they're capable of. Congrats, you just threw away evidence. You played yourself. Yeah, congratulations, you played yourself. Stick a cord up your ass. <laughs> so I hope you've learned something from this. Next week, we're coming at you again with uh, another gut punch. We're going to be talking about uh, an incident that not a lot of people have knowledge of. It is something that most African Americans actually know quite a bit about. Well, some of them. This is still foreign to a lot of them. We're going to be talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Black Wall Street, and the massacre that happened. We're going to be examining it as another point towards the systemic racism against black people, and how the powers that be are consistently attempting to keep them down. We'll 
have information for you. Again, it'll be presented in the fashion of fact and opinion. Um, we're going to talk about its influences also in media uh, as the recent Watchmen TV series made it a point to illustrate it. And what's funny is that was the point where most people went, wait, what? What happened? No, why don't we know about this? No, that can't be true. And rest assured, what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or, or yeah, Tulsa, Oklahoma, was a massacre. There was no reason for it. So, join me again next week for one more gut punch. And then uh, on the twenty fifth, we'll be back to what we normally do. Back on our bullshit, we'll be uh, we'll have a guest with us too. We'll have Zaldor; he'll be joining us again. Um, we'll see if he brings his snifty little can opener. But uh, thank you for joining me tonight. If uh, anything we've said has affected you, good. That was its point. That was the reason we covered everything. Look into it yourself too. Yeah, the information's out there. You can choose what you know. Double check us. Fact check it. You have that power. So here's the thing. You can look at cat pictures and stupid videos of gyrating women on TikTok. Not saying that's wrong. Or you can educate yourself. The internet is a wealth of information. You choose how you use it. I said this earlier. We're drowning in a sea of knowledge, but... We're not absorb, absorbing any information. Or vice versa. We're drowning in a sea of information and we're not absorbing any knowledge. It's up to you. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's a pain in the ass. And it's not going to make you feel good. But if you don't learn from history, you are doomed to repeat it. Good night.